Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Are you searching for the best in online black radio? Then go to BlackTalkRadioNetwork.com. Helping you filter through the noise. Real talk. Black talk. As the U.S. nears 400,000 confirmed COVID-19 deaths, essential workers who can't work from home struggle to stay safe. Deborah Berkowitz is a former chief of staff and senior policy advisor for OSHA, the Occupational Safety and Health Administration. She served in the Obama administration, and she's also the Worker Health and Safety Program Director for the National Employment Law Project. Deborah, welcome. Thank you for having me. Yes, absolutely. So your career encompasses work with unions that represent frontline workers like grocery employees and meatpacking workers. As you look out over this blue-collar and white-collar landscape, what concerns you the most? What keeps me up at night is that still, you know, nine months after the beginning of the pandemic, that there are still no specific requirements that as a nation, every business that has employees has to implement to mitigate the spread of COVID-19. So among meatpacking, poultry workers, you see it in supermarkets, you'll see it in other retail stores, you're still seeing the spread of COVID-19 among workplaces. Well, Debbie, to your point, last spring, we heard a lot about viral outbreaks in workplaces like meatpacking plants, and the Trump administration actually intervened back then. Those employees became essential workers, and companies said they would actually institute precautions and restrictions. Did they actually do that on any scale, uh, or, or did we take our eye off the ball? Oh, this administration totally took its eye off the ball, and um, completely failed to protect workers. The Secretary of Labor under President Trump, Eugene Scalia, decided there'd be no requirements and just let employers do what they want to do voluntarily. Some of the plants put in these flimsy plastic barriers between workers where there's like 500 workers in a big room working shoulder to shoulder that even the CDC said to them, does not protect workers unless you have social distancing six feet apart. And I think what you saw, which is really stunning, is you saw the administration come in to protect an industry so that they wouldn't have to protect workers. I mean, time and time again, CDC weakened its guidance when the meat industry asked them to so they could keep making a profit, but it spread like wildfire. Well, OSHA, the agency that's in charge of keeping workplaces safe and healthy, is turning 50 this spring. It doesn't sound like there will be too much time for celebrating. What does the agency need to do right now to make workplaces safe from the spread? That's a great question because OSHA has been AWOL. I have to say, I you know helped run that agency for six years. And at the beginning of the pandemic, in the middle of March, when I got calls from 
um, meatpacking workers, healthcare workers. I said, just call OSHA. And OSHA actually told uh, workers, there's nothing we can do. We're not inspecting. I mean, usually OSHA during the last nine months would have done 10,000, maybe 20,000 inspections. They did a couple hundred. Sounds like you're waiting for this new presidential administration, for any changes to take place, and therefore a new OSHA. But time is of the essence. What do workers need right now? So workers really need to have employers follow the basic CDC guidance of, you know, social distancing, masks, notification when there are cases. And also they need to be able to speak up when they know that there are unsafe conditions and not be retaliated against. You know, the bottom line, I think what you find out in this pandemic and the public should realize is worker safety rights right now are really weak. And maybe this pandemic will cause us to rethink this ability of workers to protect themselves, which right now they really don't have. When a vaccine arrives for essential workers, what other hurdles will they have to overcome? Because you had a president that downplayed the virus, that downplayed the seriousness of the virus, that made up how you cure this virus, there's huge distrust now in the federal government and what they're advising. And so I do think that one of the first things the Biden-Harris team has to do is to launch a huge campaign to build the public's trust, but also to work with the states and to develop better mechanisms to deliver this vaccine to essential workers former OSHA chief of staff and advocate with the National Employment Law Project, Deborah Berkowitz. Thank you so much. Oh, thank you for having me. And we reached out to OSHA for comment. The agency says it has issued nearly 300 COVID citations and kept hundreds of thousands of workers safe on the job. Black brother, black brother hell. Missouri officials have said they expect to vaccinate all health care workers by the end of this month, followed by other essential workers. The Equal Employment Opportunity Commission said last month employers can require their staff to get the COVID-19 vaccine. But questions remain about what happens if a worker refuses. St. Louis Public Radio's Shayla Farzan spoke with Washington University law professor Peggy Smith about what employers and workers can expect. The EEOC has made it clear Uh, employers are going to be able to mandate the vaccinations, although there are some exceptions. And the first is with regard to employees with disabilities. And the second is going to apply to those employees who don't want to get the vaccination because of sincerely held religious beliefs. And that is going to be governed by the Civil Rights Act. So let's say an employee goes to their boss and says, I'm not getting vaccinated, either because of a disability or a religious belief. What happens next? So what the employer is going to have to be able to demonstrate is that any unvaccinated employee is someone who would in fact pose a direct threat because there is a significant risk to the health and safety, either to that individual or to other individuals, the employer also has to be able to establish that that risk can't be eliminated or reduced by a reasonable accommodation. So it's not just, right, because you pose a risk to my workplace, even as you have a disability, 
you have to leave. You can't do that until you actually engage in the process of trying to provide a reasonable accommodation to the worker that has a disability. What if we're talking about a company where it's not possible for the employer to make those accommodations, where the work has to be done in person, like a mechanic or a grocery store worker? Even then, the employer should look to see if there are any other applicable state, federal, or local laws that might give that employee some additional rights. Uh, You could well imagine that even if an employer is not able to provide a reasonable accommodation to an employee who says that they don't want to take the vaccine because of a disability, maybe that employee would be, say, entitled to leave under the FMLA. Perhaps that employee is entitled to leave under some other employer policy. But assuming there is no other protection that is available, the employer can, in fact, terminate the employee. I can imagine that employers are going to have to be really careful before they fire an employee for refusing to get vaccinated so they don't you know, open themselves up to a lawsuit. Without a doubt, the EEOC has indicated that when an employer is trying to make that judgment, some of those factors that the employer has to consider is what's the duration of the risk that is being posed here? What's the nature and severity of the potential harm that might come about by allowing the unvaccinated employee to remain in the workplace? So without a doubt, employers are going to have to tread very carefully and ensure that they're covering all of their bases, dotting their I's and crossing their T's. Taking a step back here, I mean, how likely do you think it is that we're going to see employers actually requiring staff to be vaccinated? I think that actually very few employers will look to mandate the vaccination. Employers are going to be really sensitive to the reality that right now, any number of employees are resistant to getting the vaccination. There is a lot of misinformation and disinformation out there about the vaccine. And I think employers are aware of that. They're going to be really concerned about causing a backlash. And so as a practical matter, I think that what you're going to see is that instead of mandating the vaccine, employers are going to be far more likely to strongly encourage workers to get vaccinated. After last week's insurrection, the Capitol Police Force has already seen personnel shakeups in the wake of violence. Last week, Capitol Police Chief Stephen Sund announced his resignation and at least two officers have also been suspended for their roles in enabling the insurrectionists. And at least 10 other officers are under investigation. The personnel response from the Capitol Police has been swift. Yogananda Pittman was named acting chief of the force. Chief Pittman comes to the role after serving as an assistant chief and is the first black person and first woman to hold the top position. While her appointment is a significant achievement, Pittman is also being tasked with overseeing the department at a time of crisis, one that has brought national scrutiny to the Capitol Police. 
and Pittman is not alone. Professionals of color are often promoted or elected to positions of power in times of crisis. We've seen a record number of people of color recently elected to Congress, as well as Kamala Harris being elected to vice president. And as private sector companies have been bullish on hiring people of color to lead diversity and inclusion initiatives. But there's a flip side to some of these victories. Are people of color in these times being set up for success? It's a phenomenon called the glass cliff, and we're going to talk about it today. Joining me now is Michelle Ryan, a professor of social and organizational psychology at the University of Exeter. She also coined the term glass cliff with her colleague, Michelle. Thanks for joining us. Hi. Also joining us is Loretta J. Ross, visiting associate professor in the program for the study of women and gender at Smith College. Professor Ross, thanks for joining us again. Thanks for having me on your show. Michelle, you started researching the concept of the glass cliff in part because of a 2003 article in the Times of London about women in leadership. Tell us what that prompt, why that prompted your research. Yeah, there was an article in the Times that was looking at uh, the increasing number of women coming onto the boards of directors of FTSE 100 companies. So that's the UK equivalent of sort of Fortune 100 companies. And what they saw in in with these women coming into these positions was what what they termed a pattern that as women were coming into these positions, that the companies were doing worse. They were doing worse in terms of share price. And they suggested that perhaps women were wreaking havoc on these companies. Um, and of course, when we we looked at this article, we we thought that maybe there was something more complex going on than this initial idea that women were coming in and causing problems. Loretta, when we think about uh, some of the factors that lead uh, to people, specifically people of color, black women being appointed to leadership positions, it often comes at a time of crisis. Why do these tasks get placed on their shoulders? Well, I think there has to be a certain amount of disarray in the organization for them to take the step sometimes to hire women of color in these positions, particularly black women. And one of the problems is that they don't usually even have total consensus to take this step. And so the person comes in and has to manage upwards as well as downwards because they often have to deal with the split amongst the board of directors or the trustees or the, the stockholders or share, stakeholders. And so they come into a very complicated situation. And I could probably talk about a dozen other things that undermine their uh, their positions. Michelle, this is something, I mean, I, I tweeted about this yesterday and um, the reactions were pretty interesting. I mean, there were lots of people, um, I know myself included and other uh, professionals of color who often feel this like double-edged sword in taking an opportunity that's given to you, right, that you've earned, I should say, let's be clear, that the opportunities that professionals of color have earned at a time of great duress for an organization. And there's a sort of feeling of, Am I here because you want me here or am I here because you need to clean up a mess? Yeah, absolutely. You can think of the glass cliff as a kind of poison chalice. Of course, it is an opportunity and it's one, as you say, that people have earned. But because there's this precarity to the glass cliff, when things are in crisis, when things are difficult, the chances of failure, the scrutiny, uh, the difficulty of that task is huge. And so that means that it's an opportunity that, that is laced with potential difficulties as well. 
Loretta, I'm curious about your thoughts, specifically when it comes to, you know, something I was talking about yesterday was the fact that professionals of color are often brought in to clean up messes that they themselves didn't even create, um, particularly when it comes to racism in organizations, sexism in organizations. Often women, whether they're white or of color, are put into positions of power to sort of remedy these things. What sort of psychological toll? And and Michelle, I'd like to ask you this too. You've studied this. What sort of toll does that take on the person who's being given the opportunity, who's got the opportunity? Well, the person comes into the position not knowing who to trust. When you have a lot of responsibilities, but not the authority to actually do anything to really fulfill those responsibilities, the person comes in and their circle of trusted advisors is very small. Often they have to seek outside of the company or organization to find trusted advisors because they're not given the full information that they need. I've been in situations where women of color and other women have come into the position and the financial records were withheld from them. Well, how can you steer a ship when you don't know the finances? How can you steer a ship when the existence of secret contracts and deals are kept from you. Mm -hmm. So there's a lot of landmines under the feet of these companies and organizations that are in distress that the people taking leadership don't even know exist and often won't be told. Michelle, what about you? What are your thoughts on the toll that that takes on the person who is taking over? Because um, there, I mean, some folks even yesterday on Twitter were calling it the uh, janitorial, you know, cleanup crew that's asked to come in and sort of clean up these messes when they didn't even create them. What's the toll that that can take on someone? Yeah, so I think there's definitely a personal toll in terms of increased levels of stress. I think in terms of job insecurity, there's evidence that shows that glass cliff positions are often much shorter. So women are more likely to take on CEO positions for two and a half years, whereas their male counterparts are for seven years. So there's a certain job insecurity there. I think it's also... Do we know? I want to stop you there because I think that's a really important point, Michelle. Why is it that men, and I'm assuming here we're talking largely white men, are able to hold on to their CEO positions for an average of seven years versus women, as you just said, for an average of 2.5? Yeah, so if women um, and, and also people of colour are taking on leadership positions in times of crisis, often the cleanup is short. You know, you come in, you clean some things up or you take on the role as a sort of sort of steering it for a while. And once things look a little bit better, all the men sort of pipe up again or, you know, the white men come back and say, actually, that position doesn't look so bad. I'll take that again. So either they uh, they fall out of the position because they're seen to not being doing well because it was a very difficult to do well in the first place. Or if they do do well, people come in and say, well, I'll take that back. Thanks. Michelle, do we have any data in terms of compensation for uh, people who take these positions um, compared to their white male counterparts? Uh, that's a really interesting question. I don't have exact data on glass cliff positions compared to none, but we certainly know that women and people of colour are likely to be paid significantly less for equivalent roles, either in terms of base salary, but also in terms of the bonuses. So when we're looking at these type of senior positions, it is often bonuses and incentives that you get for good performance that make up a large proportion of the salary. And again, if you're in these crises positions, it's very difficult to to be seen to be performing well. 
Loretta, why is this seen? I mean, th- this is often frustrating because these opportunities arise often when the we are in a, a company or an organization or a country even, I would point to us here, uh, are in crisis. And that adds a level of stress, but also a pressure to having to maintain, uh, you know, a certain uh, attitude, if you will, certain uh, uh, metrics in, in order to perform. And God forbid you you show any humanity in your performance in a time of crisis that could be held against you. Absolutely, because people need confidence in a newly chosen leader. And so if you take the risk of showing your uncertainties, your vulnerabilities, and the fact that people are actively maybe undermining you, then they see that as weakness, and then they start actually contributing to the problem instead of helping the person find solutions to the problem. One of the things I know as a manager is that people will visit their histories and trauma with authority onto the person who's accessible to them. And so you have to... What does that mean, Loretta? Tell, Tell us more what that means. I found that as a boss, as a manager, that quite often people were reacting to my my orders to them, not because it was me or because they had a problem with the orders, but because they had a bit abused by authority figures in the past. And so it takes a while to work through that packed in trauma to understand, is it that you don't want to do the work? Or is it that you don't like how I'm talking to you? Or is there something else going on? And that is a slow and patient process that often in a crisis situation, you don't have have the luxury of time to figure out. Yeah, Michelle, a lot of this is also happening when, you know, as we all we often talk about the old boys network, um, when people of color, women and others are elevated to these positions, they often haven't been part of those networks to begin with. How can that further undermine their ability to succeed in these positions? Yeah, I mean, I think in times of crisis, it's exactly when you need the support of others, isn't it? So you need either resources in terms of economic resources, or you need social resources in terms of the support of other senior managers or of staff and those sorts of things. So so in times of crisis, often people want to run to the sides and keep out of the limelight while things are happening, often leading leaving someone at the at the front to sort of take all of all of the criticisms and the crisis on board. Michelle, how much of this these positions are about satisfying the optics of an organization versus actually supporting the person that they've put into the role? Yeah, so we've done research on this that absolutely shows that it may be more about signaling change than actually trying to achieve change. So it looks good to put a person of colour or a woman in charge because it looks like they're doing something different, not necessarily because they want something to change. Michelle, you've been doing research in this since the early 2000s. Um, Please tell me things have gotten better. It'd be nice to think that it has, but I don't think we've seen any demonstrable change. And in fact, uh, the research shows that the glass cliff happens over and over and over again. Um, Our research is expanding to look at different areas. So we started off looking at at large multinational companies, but we've also seen it in education. We've seen it in sports. uh, We've seen it in politics. So I think it's quite a pervasive thing that doesn't really show uh, much um, sign of easing up. 
And, and Michelle, is there an acknowledgement at least that women and people of color are facing these challenges? It's interesting that a lot of the people who responded on, on Twitter uh, were citing exactly this phrase, the glass cliff. And so it's 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 a, there is an awareness that this happens, at least among uh, peer groups. But has it permeated the highest levels of uh, the C-suites and, and K Street? I think that's that's one of the achievements that I'd like to think that that we've had is that we have had this uh, phenomenon become something that people talk about. Uh, part of the metaphor of glass is that it's a subtle phenomenon. So people don't set out to say, right, this is a crisis. We're going to put people of colour and women in charge. But rather, it's much more subtle than that. So I think taking that uh, subtlety away by talking about it, by having a name that we can call it, by being able to point to a position and say, hey, that's a glass clip. That's likely to be risky and precarious. I think that's one step at least to, to seeing a bit more acknowledgement of, of the difficulties that people of colour and women could find themselves in. Loretta, there, when, when I'm sure when you talk to women uh, of colour, black women that you know that have been in these positions and when I talk to them, there's almost a, a feeling of fr- frustration or a feeling of not really understanding what's going on, at least initially, because you have this big title, you have this big job, and yet there's something that seems to be amiss. Is there is there a... a uh, uh, when you talk to women who have been in these positions, how do they tell you they feel, I guess, in the aftermath? Well, I usually get called in when they're in the midst of it, because the first thing they say is that they've been given tremendous responsibility without the authority to make the institutional changes and the substantive changes that need to take place. And so if they find that a person is not doing their jobs, they will run into the barrier of the HR team saying, well, that person has been with us for so many years and you can't do anything about it. And so when you have those responsibilities, but not the authority to make the changes you were hired to do, that can be very frustrating. And I imagine as they exit those jobs, they talk about the stress levels and their feelings of being made to feel incompetent, even though they're not incompetent, simply because they didn't achieve the goals that they set out to achieve. And so, Loretta, your experience with this, I, I wonder if there's a way to, um, you know, think about this for, because it's such a double-edged sword, as I said, you want the opportunity, you want to take the opportunity, but then how do you buttress yourself against this glass cliff? Well, the first thing that I recommend is that an or- outside organizational audit takes place, not a financial one, though that also will be required. But look at the structures that are in place that are not working for the benefit of the organization or the corporation. These are often longstanding traditional structures that have not been interrogated and they need to be addressed. And so it usually is an outside eye that can detect these things so that the person at least knows what they're dealing with because you can't fix a problem that hasn't been identified and the people who benefit from that problem are not going to run and tell you about it. Michelle, what are your thoughts on that? We've got about two minutes left. I'm curious, um, what do you think, given your research, that are some of the best practices for um, navigating a glass cliff, uh, glass, glass cliff, pardon me, scenario? 
Yeah, I mean, I think our research suggests very much uh, in line with what Loretta is talking about as well. But I, I think it is about resources. So making sure that, that the person that's taking on this role has the support uh, and is evaluated fairly. Uh, I, as, as we've talked about, I think this has personal consequences. But I think the other consequence that I think is really important is the consequence that it has for broader stereotypes. So we have this idea that women and people of colour are perhaps not naturally suited for leadership positions. And then if they take on these glass cliff positions that are challenging, precarious and risky, we run the risk of reinforcing the idea that women and people of colour are not good leaders. So we really need to ensure that they have the resources to do a good job, but also that they're evaluated fairly, that if they do struggle or if there are struggles in that role, it's not because of their inabilities, but because of the context and the situation that makes it difficult. And I think if those evaluations are put in place, then it's okay for people to work through difficult times as long as that's acknowledged. Michelle Ryan is a professor of social and organizational psychology at the University of Exeter and Loretta J. Ross is a visiting associate professor in the program for the study of women and gender at Smith College. Thanks to you both. Thank you. Thank you. Context of white supremacy. Gusty Renegade in for another broadcast hopefully to share constructive information on the system of white supremacy. Today's date, Friday, January 15, 2021. So I have been told this is our weekly forum, Neutralizing Workplace Racism. Uh, If we have any non-white listeners, you have figured out these are things to do so that you can maintain your safety in the workplace whatever words you need to invoke uh, if it's quoting policy and procedure if you have to snitch on someone whatever it is to make sure that you get if it's personal protective equipment uh, if it's time away from the office if you need to work virtually uh, if it's uh, getting additional space make sure that everyone is doing their part in terms of distancing masks extra hand sanitizer whatever it is you got all of that taken care of if you figured out words to use if you are in the group say hey i don't want to take the vaccine i take the rona seriously but i just at least right now i want to wait on this you figured out what words to use so that you're not going to be pressured about that whatever your stance is to make sure that your health and safety are priority not compromised at any point as we continue to deal with and navigate these health problems as best we can if you have figured that out Man, please dial in and share the number 720-716-7300. The code 564-943-POUND. Press star 61 if you would like to participate. Number again. Seven two zero seven one six seven three hundred. The code five six four nine four three pound. Press star six one if you would like to participate. Uh, for folks, as always, if you do not want to dial in or don't want to be recognized, uh, you can drop an email. 
untiljustice at gmail.com. We can read your commentary anonymously. Uh, either if you have a scenario you would like uh, counter racist feedback, hopefully we can try to help solve problems without creating new problems. Or if you have suggestions, if you figured out some things that might help some other victims of racism avoid problems or minimize some difficulties in their work environment. You can share either way until justice at gmail.com and we can read your commentary on the air. All of that said, uh, the audio segments that we heard uh, quickly before we get to folks who dialed in and such uh, the first two dealing with different components of the COVID-19 situation. Uh, the first segment uh, they talked about how at least here in the States, we are woefully behind in terms of workplace safety measures uh, as a practicing vegan. Uh, we touched on this for about a year now. They included in that report uh, meat processing plants. Uh, I have noted because there have been so many uh, news reports about meat processing plants being super spreaders. Uh, and you know sites I think they had some of these chicken plants where they had like hundreds uh, of employees who tested positive and then they had to shut some down temporarily and all this Uh, like I said I know that there are produce processing facilities and you know even folks that are just going out and picking strawberries or apples or whatever it is uh, that there have been issues there but I just have not seen anything comparable to what the last really year uh, and the amount of reports in terms of unsafe working conditions for meat factory workers, meat processing plants, eat more veggies. Uh, But that report and just talking about how it hasn't been enforced, uh, even though that report did seem like there was quite a bit of uh, Trump bashing in there, but that notwithstanding uh, talking about how there's not really any, uh, federally regulated program in terms of, Hey, all of the work environments, we're going to be doing these particular guidelines to make sure that everybody's safe, that that's not in place, that it's just been a hodgepodge, which has been true all year long. Don't see that changing anytime soon, especially since there's so many people who uh, don't think the Rona is real or, you know, not really that serious about it. They still want to go out and party and all the rest of it. So, No surprise there at all. Uh, And again, why you really have to, uh, we as non-white people, we have to prioritize our health and safety in the workplace because you can see system of white supremacy. No one else is going to make that a priority at all. Uh, Let's see. Continue to snitch. Said that repeatedly. Continue to snitch uh, if things are not being done as they should in your uh, work environment. Uh, let's see. The second report was about the vaccines. Now that report was uh, from Missouri Public Radio, St. Louis Public Radio specifically. But uh, so that's talking about that the Missouri region specifically. They might not have the exact same policies uh, in other states or other parts of the world, obviously. Uh, but they are they were saying that your employee employer probably. Uh, can enforce some sort of mandate about the vaccines, even though they did talk a lot about, well, hey, maybe you should, you know, look for allowances and see if you can find some other accommodations, maybe have this person work from home or whatever it is uh, before terminating them. I am not sure if you are a black person 
victim of racism, I'm not sure how tolerant they will be. Now, if you have on uh, MAGA gear, you say you are down with QAnon, maybe that might fly. Maybe. But if you're just a black person and you get to that nurse rivers and I don't, I don't think that's no get your, uh, here's your pink slip. Been nice hanging out with you. Have fun with the rest of your conspiracy folk out in the, uh, unemployment lot. I think that would probably be the response to a black person trying to do that, but I could be wrong. That's why I said, if we have folks who have figured out, this is the language I'm in the group of folks who do not want that vaccine or at least don't want it right now. And whammo this is what to say uh exactly if it's you know you go the religious exemption route uh route we talked about that before they talked about that in the sound clip or if you you know some people do legitimately have allergies or other reasons uh in terms of why they would want to wait wouldn't want to do any sort of vaccination right now if you have figured out what to say to make that be accepted share uh the final audio segment we heard at the beginning so they're talking about the concept of the glass cliff. We often hear about the glass ceiling where it looks like you get promoted and then you get to a certain point where you don't get promoted anymore, even though you haven't figured, really figured out why. A little different or the opposite, I guess, of that, the glass cliff where you they put you in position uh, where it's going to be a really difficult position. Company might be on the verge of bankruptcy or, you know, major embezzlement charges or all kinds of things. And they put or uh, being investigated that maybe a number of Capitol Police officers aided and abetted in the melee treasonous activity in the Capitol last week. Now we'll switch in. Oh, well, we'll put a black female. Yes. First time ever in charge of the Capitol Police. We're all about inclusion and diversity sensitivity yes uh incidentally that is a metaphor uh glass cliff either way glass cliff glass ceiling metaphor compensatory call in we'll mention that tomorrow but anyway uh they get in that cliff uh, uh they get in that clip and they continue it was like every other second or so people of color and women people of color and women, women and people of color, women and people of color. And at a few point, they, they even said, uh, if they promote black women and people of color, I said, man, I said this for years, white women. That's the way that phrase should be. Every time white women put that first white women and people of color that would highlight the absurdity of it. I think even most of us, even if we're not informed, if we don't study racism, white supremacy, I suspect most victims of racism would at least pause. Do I think white women's plight in the workplace is comparable to black people, non-white people, male or female? I don't know. I think a whole lot of us would have serious pause. Wait a minute. Wait a minute. Hillary Clinton, really? She know we're the same strife in the Really? Elizabeth Warren, Nancy Pelosi. Anyway, they say that uh, throughout the segment and then from time to time, they are talking about difficulties, problems that white women face. And even the people that are speaking in this report who are saying women and people of color, this is an audio segment. There's no uh, pictures 
uh, for any of these folks except for the host, Tanzina Vega, who I suspect uh, is a non-white person, non-white, non-black person, but I could be in error about that. But Tanzina Vega, she's the host. And then the two guests or two people speaking, Michelle Ryan, Loretta J. Ross. Uh, now, I think Loretta J. Ross is a black person, black female. Uh, Michelle Ryan, I suspect, might be a white person. Uh, I'm trying to double check now just to make sure. Uh, but one, for all of that about women and people of color, the three audio segments that we heard today, the segment about uh, we had two about the Rona situation and then that about the glass cliff. There's only one male voice. I don't think that was a black male, but there was no audio there either. And then most of them, I think, white women uh, doing all this yammering and talking about the problems that women and people of color face any black male privilege anyway uh so they get in the segment and they're talking about all of these different obstacles you know you you get these uh at the capitol police they're in these crazy situations of tumult uh, and I think Miss Ross, even within that segment, she said that sometimes the organizations they have to be in a state of upheaval disorganization to even do this in the first place which is you know when things are stable our portfolio is looking great stock prices are up things are awesome now is that the time to bring in President Obama oh no no, 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 no. we'll wait until it's financial ruin and then what do they say yes now we need custodian yes bring in the Negros yes we will have our first CEO in the last year of the company's existence. Yes. Wasn't that Herman Cain too? They talk about people and women of color. I think that was the late Herman Cain. Didn't he take over the pizza franchise that was awful, doing terrible, and then resurrected it, got it doing well again? Anywho, they continued, and I believe it was Miss Ross, the black female victim in that segment. She made the point. She said that she has seen situations where they would have a black person who is quote unquote in charge, but you have all this nefarious activity. She said, you have all kinds of secret uh, contracts and things and people are not letting you know about this. How are you going to make effective change, go out and do a great job. And you got all kinds of information that is being deliberately concealed from you. What call that uh, unjust networking might be another manifestation. Hmm. But on such a regular basis, we hear that sort of thing. Uh, And then they said, uh, also, you put these people in these positions sometimes and it's okay. I come in. uh, We need to make some changes. Obviously, you've got a nigger in charge. So things haven't been going well. Let's see. Uh, We maybe we got some inefficiencies here. Maybe maybe we got uh, old Bill here uh, and Ted uh, and Susan. You know, they, they seem like we got some shiftless white people. Maybe we need to, to get rid of a few, see if we can hire, get some young, talented folks, bring them in here, get our morale up and get some. Well, I don't know. Susan's been with us a long time. They don't say that. It's a black person, you know. Been here a long time. I know they're in it. Maybe we can get them some new training. Yeah, we, we're just not going to be able to, to let old Susan go. She's, she's important. She's such a she's beloved by so many people here and it just wouldn't be the same environment. We got to keep her. That type of thing. You're not empowered to make the type of changes that might improve this year thing. And or you've got people that are disgruntled about you being put in this position. Anyway, I can't. We've got some nigger in charge. We've got a President Obama here. What? 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 <sighs> Think I'm going to take 
orders from some nigra. Said that there too. You got people who are resistant to your management techniques are just not. And, and they even said, uh, and I believe this was the white person, Michelle Ryan, uh, with the British accent. She said that it's not like it's so direct where people say, "Ooh, the company's in crisis. Let's find a woman or person of color to put in charge. Oh, yeah, I think it is that direct. Uh, particularly not when it's, oh, let's find a white woman. When it's, let's find a Negro and pretend that they are in charge, especially if we can find a way to maybe blame them for some of why this is all messed up. We can just put it on them. Say, oh, man, they, you heard that in the clip too. They said, oh, yeah, they put, they put them in charge of this terrible situation. They said, oh, see, see, the Negro cannot be in charge. Look how they messed up the whole thing. Just ruined it all. Nonsense all the way through, but I do think, White people absolutely intentionally will do that. Yes, we know it's about to fail. We've been embezzling funds for the past five years where it's all about to crash in on us. Uh, Let's have the ship go down. We will find Jamal. Do you want to be our first uh, Negro president? It'll be awesome. Here, you take the big desk. We're going to go and embezzle a little bit more. And then this will all be over within about two months. Yes, absolutely. I think that sort of thing happens with white people where they're doing it it's not a mistake it's not an accident it is a deliberate act of racism I th- again I think President Obama a lot of people said hey I think that's what this is uh, with him financial ruin 2008 and all that remember anywho uh, those are the three clips that we heard at the beginning transitioning number again 720-716-7300 the code 564 564- nine four three pound press star six one if you would like to participate uh transitioning i got an update from our young scholar uh who is moving off to do academic things in the new england area so we'll include that but before uh we even get to that uh with regards to the rona situation one of our listeners uh wrote uh gusty this week and just said man uh, this Rona situation is serious. Uh, at least one of the people that I worked with, uh, who, you know, one of our clients or what have you, uh, apparently passed away. Uh, and it's related to the COVID-19 situation. And I just thought, wow, like we've had other folks, uh, who have reported having people that they know, uh, family members and such, or more distant family members, uh, who have contracted COVID-19 and folks who've passed away. Uh, but wow, take it seriously. Uh, we've had so many folks really all over the world uh, who have reported that they work with people, the folks who are having to go to like a physical location for a job, that they work with people who are not uh, taking all this very seriously, not distancing, not wearing a mask, not washing their hands, just all, you know, of the high risk behaviors that uh, it's been recommended for about a year now that folks not engage in. Uh, we've had a number of folks who said, yeah, we, we've got people who are like that hard headed, as they say, uh, who are just doing all of those things. Do not allow them to compromise your safety. That's why I said at the beginning, if that means you have to snitch on some of these people, uh, if you have a rapport where you can use your words, where 
maybe they're not going to start taking it serious for them and washing their hands every 30 seconds and keeping hand sanitizer on their belt. Maybe that's not going to happen, but at minimum, they can make sure that they're not behaving in a hazardous manner with you uh, coming up and doing a lot of touching, getting really close to you, even coming up really and doing a whole lot of talking. We've had a number of folks who said, hey, I'm not interested in that either. Uh, You can go to your desk and get on the phone and call me or message or email or whatever it is. We don't need to be, you know, all up in each other's face uh, to do any chit chatting. Uh, Take it super seriously Uh, if you have people who are not taking it serious on your job that is totally fine let them be ignorant Uh, just make sure that they are not compromising your behavior where if you're someone who's been taking this serious and then you start getting lax about things because you're around these other folks uh, and then as I said if you need to snitch do so they talked about that uh, in the opening report do not compromise your health and safety the system of white supremacy encourages that sort of thing on a regular uh, regular basis uh, for particularly non-white people black people for us to be reckless about our health and for other people to be totally reckless and disregard our health safety and well-being so really prioritize being safe and taking great care of yourself especially in a work uh, environment in the midst of all of this Uh, let's see I will We'll go to the phones and then I'll weave in uh, our emails. Like I said, we got an update from our young scholar as well. I guess if we have any folks who are in the school situation or if we have parents and you have children uh, in the school situation, the same thing, encourage them to take it serious. I know uh, for some folks, they're talking about returning to like being physically in the classrooms and for other places, they're saying not so fast. They're still doing the, the virtual learning make sure that you're if you have uh, like college students and such make sure that they also are taking it seriously uh, if they have white friends hopefully not uh, but they're not being encouraged to you know already be looking down the road like hey spring break is coming up Maybe we can all go down to the beach and hang out in the mob and that sort of thing encourage them to take it seriously I know for a lot of young people it can be uh, that invincibility of youth hopefully uh, we have younger cows listeners or folks who have uh, offspring logic logic and trying to take things serious with the virus Uh, the number is 720-716-7300 the code 564-943-POUND press star 61 if you would like to participate uh, folks who have thoughts or especially if you have any uh, suggestions codification to share for the workplace uh, before I nab our callers with a quick make sure I just get in with with so much of the political upheaval uh, I know we talked about it a little bit last week so we got the inauguration looming uh, I would not discuss any politics in the workplace we talked about this all the time but I mean woof the past I don't know since the really the whole year, but uh, I would not have anything to say uh, in your work environment about what happened last week, the inauguration. If you think it's going to be violence, what do you think should happen to those people? Nothing about that 
in the workplace. If white people want to talk about that, fine, let them address it. I think it was uh, one of our listeners last week said, hey, if anything, man, have we looked at our policy for security in the workplace? What should happen if we're attacked or a mob or anything like that? Like, let's make sure we review our security policy. Like, excellent idea. But beyond that, no, not sitting around chatting on it. I'm not offering any thoughts, anything about President Trump, President-elect Biden, none of the above. If you have any white people there and they want to talk about what happened, they're upset about it. They were in D.C. Anything. Uh, fine you can listen you can take notes some folks are hey let me ask a question in who did you travel to dc with how long were you there all of that but other than that nothing do not get tricked if they ask you about it oh man i haven't even really been able to pay attention it's just been one thing after another hasn't it what do you think give the answer and then you immediately drop your question so that you can redirect they can't just pepper you with questions have you on the stand uh like you're at the oj simpson trial or something but if that has come up in your workplace you can share that as well but again it bedrock that's why that uh bit of codification is suggested on this platform so frequently so that you'll just be in a habit uh that is an all the time recommendation in terms of not talking about politics so then when you have really acute and tense moments like now people already know oh yeah he doesn't talk about yeah. anyway back to the report today and blah, blah, blah. we can just get on with the meeting and things that are related to our job that's what professionals do Grant, star six one, if you have thoughts to share. Let's see. First few folks. Hi, Gus. Yes, ma'am. Be in Toronto. Hi, greetings to you, callers and listeners. Um, so, yes, it was very interesting regarding... Uh, the clip, how it went from the black cliff to um, uh, talk about gender, lots of talk about gender, and I and it's it's um, I, I realized through listening to that clip how um, how women, white women, um, are being marketed as as a minority i hate that term minority because it's it's not accurate um but it it is it's definitely um uh propaganda to um illustrate that somehow women code word white women um are going through the same type of situations or similar types of oppression as um the the rest of uh non-white people and uh from experiences um within the various careers that i've taken on um throughout some of which yourself callers and listeners have heard in terms of experiences the instigators have been white women um white men would follow suit um, if they see a white woman instigating um, the white supremacy racism, so oftentimes they they are the aggressors. 
uh, so um, it's their way of, uh, I guess, claiming victimhood. Um, and uh, again, uh, this is how they've um, monopolized uh, affirmative action, the benefits of affirmative action. So I just wanted to illustrate that point. Um, it's for the plantation I was on. It was a, it was a stressful week <laughs> um, towards towards the end of the week um, because one of the uh, clients passed away. Uh, come to find out, luckily it was not COVID. Um, because if it was, uh, it, it would have been locked down and the protocol would have shifted to uh, 24-hour uh, care and uh, I, would, I wouldn't be able to return to my home for 14 days because of quarantine. So, um, and I, I don't know how, how that's going to work out in terms of the protocol, if I would be placed in a hotel and then get reimbursed or if there's, um, if there's an isolation unit um, that are designated where I can go to, um, which there's just not enough spaces for those. Uh, and that's just for people who just require quarantine for 14 days, not even going to talk about the intensive care units for those who are needing uh, ventilators. Um, there's not enough of those either. Uh, two of the colleagues that I started out with also tested positive for COVID-19. Um, Unfortunately, the colleagues did not take it seriously. They did not um, consistently wear the PPEs. Um, and unfortunately, they did not take the advice that I had suggested. Um, I'm not saying that I'm uh, not... Uh, I'm not saying that I, I wouldn't get... Uh, COVID, but I do take all the precautions that I need to um, to prevent it from happening. So I'll reiterate what I've mentioned in, in previous um, uh, broadcasts uh, as to some of the tips to consider. Um, and I'll make it um, for both genders. Um, that will probably be the new part out of it. Um, so what I do um, uh, in female uh, version is I have a head wrap. In fact, I have two. One that I, um, I put it over my head because I know that in the type of industry that I work in, um, which is social services, um, clients have a tendency to cough towards your head. <laughs> um, if you're working with children, children tend to cough or, or talk towards your head or they're saying something and there's a little bit of spittle, it goes towards your head or clothing. Um, make sure that you're wearing gloves. Make sure the type of attire that you're wearing, um, uh, if you can have it in lycra, if you can, um, if there's a way in which you can wear a coat 
um, over your attire. I wear a, my raincoat, but it's a it's a short coat, so um, it'll be easier for me to spray my rubbing alcohol spray, which I carry. You buy the bottle of, of you buy the bottle the spray bottle from the dollar store. You get your seventy percent proof to ninety nine percent proof. Any time, anywhere between that range for your rubbing alcohol. You put it in your spray bottle, carry it in your car, carry it in your purse, carry it in your bag. Um, and um, for each place that you're leaving, so if you're working in different homes, if you're working in different venues, like from hospital to schools to, depending if you're an independent contractor or an employee, part-time, full-time, casual, spray yourself down with the rubbing alcohol before you go from one place to another. Spray your head wrap as well. Um, also, um, uh, get those antiseptic, uh, antibacterial uh, wipes that are gentle on your skin so you can wipe your face. For men, um, the head scarves aren't going to work. Uh, but if you can, if there's a way in which you can cover your hair, um, it's cold outside, uh, so if you're in a situation where a seasonal change that's winter, you can probably get away with a beanie, depending on um, what uh, what industry you're in. Um, or um, if you're in corporate and you're um, if you're going from say your car to uh, the office, you know you can wear your hat. Um, uh, not throughout the, the day in the office, but at least when you're traveling from one place to another, you can still um, get that spray and spray yourself down um, when you're moving from one place to another. Wear gloves, bring gloves with you. Um, I know that with my son, I had, um, I had given him the small spray with the rubbing alcohol, gloves, and masks. Um, when he was using public transportation, he, he had the glove on and he put his hand on one of the poles and there was an orange residue on his hand. He said that he didn't notice uh, the, he didn't notice the orange residue, regist- not speaking properly, residue on the pole, but it was at least it came off on the glove and not on his hand. So do that. Spray down your seat if you're using public um, transportation. And um, uh, definitely uh, emphasize the fact that you need your PPEs. Like the, um, it's constantly needing replenishing um, in the industry that I'm in. So um, it's your right as an employee to have a safe workplace. And if you got people, other fellow employees, um, harassing you or um, making fun of you because you're wearing your PPEs, uh, ignore them. Your health is paramount. Uh, when they're doing their 14-day quarantine, at least you will be uh, more safe because you've been practicing the precautions. Continue your social distancing. Um, advocate for yourself to ensure that others are social distancing. And if they're refusing to do so, then make sure that you back up even further and uh, reduce as much contact with them as possible. I hope that was helpful, and I leave the line. 
context of white supremacy. Much obliged to be in Toronto. Very elaborate, detailed code for workplace safety. And I mean, that's what I mean. Like if you, you know, just for comparison's sake in the report, they were talking about like, man, it's a disgrace that we don't have some sort of like now, or at least in the U.S., we don't have some sort of like national workplace safety program like this is what. Hey, do you all have that in Canada? Is there some sort of national? Um, there, there isn't a national workplace um, program. Uh, there is the policies to fall back on. Um, and uh, so um, the, the uh, companies have to do due diligence to ensure that it's a safe environment under the occupational health and safety. Um, and uh, part of that is ensuring that at least for the COVID protocol measures, um, how that's going to be tackled is outlined in the policies. So employees have the opportunity to utilize that policy if it's not being followed. And then there are external parties that uh, employees can go to if the company is not following that policy, such as the Labor Board, uh, well, Ministry of Labor. Um, uh, so they can they can uh, forward uh, their report there on what's happening. I know that for now, in particular with uh, Ontario, uh, we have a stay-at-home um, emergency measures. And the stay-at-home mer- emergency measures is that for all non-essential workers, um, they must uh, stay in their home except for um, uh, the essentials, such as going out for groceries, to the pharmacy. Um, for non-essential uh, uh, Stores or vendors, uh, they can only open from 7 a.m. to 8 p.m. After that, um, all vendors are closed after 8 p.m. So they're not calling it a curfew, but essentially it's a curfew. Um, And that's going to be effective. uh, It it was effective from Thursday, January 14th, um, all the way up to February 10th of this year. Um, and anticipating further extension. Um, so sorry if I gave the scenic route, but in short, there there are different ways of, of um, ensuring uh, that uh, the companies um, are, are abiding by the policies, um, and there are external avenues, um, regardless if it's unionized or not, um, to ensure that those companies are, are practicing the uh, those measures. Much obliged, much obliged to be in Toronto. Uh, We will inquire about that Sunday. We should have our global Sunday talk uh, to see like people in other parts of the world. Do they have like a national workplace plan in place? Uh, If such and such happens, like this is the protocol for all the businesses in the country, this is what you're supposed to do. If a certain number of people test positive or if anybody uh, tests positive, uh, do they already have like a quarantine plan? Is it exactly the same? Like everybody knows what the protocol is and people are following it. Like, is that set up in other parts of the world? And if so, let's hear about what type of plan they have. Uh, but we'll ask about that this uh, Sunday, 3 p.m. 
Eastern, 2 p.m. Central, 12 noon Pacific, Global Sunday Talk on Racism. Excellent suggestions, though, uh, from uh, BN Toronto, where they also do not have a national plan, uh, but just really specific things uh, to make sure that you're looking out for your uh, safety and well-being uh, in the workplace, uh, just covering your hair kind of head to toe, uh, making an inventory uh, and not uh, matter of fact, calculating in. I know other people here are not going to be distancing or whatever it is. So if they're not doing that, then I'm going to, you know, I'll take 10 feet. They're not going to do the distancing to make sure that I don't get close to them because I know they're in a lot of shenanigans. Then you heard what she said. Some of the people that tested positive, they were not following the directions. You at minimum want to try to do the best you can. Uh, Not just, you know, we flaunted this and we're going out and having fun, partying at some of the uh, hidden parties that they've been talking about. Underground parties where it's 400, 500 people packed in like for what? Take it seriously. Try to do the best we can to preserve our health. Um, Man, the, the workplace conversations around all of this have been fascinating. Uh, they, I guess, so in the U.S., virus report is reportedly increasing number of cases. They expected this, I guess, at some level because of the uh, post-holiday bump in number of cases. Uh, but for some of the sports leagues, this has disrupted lots. For the NBA they said okay we're going to do a two week increase in restrictions they said for two weeks if you have a home game you can only leave your residence for essential travel the game and basically that's it if you have a road game you cannot go anywhere you can go to the game and then back to the hotel not out to eat anything my question was who's going to enforce this like same thing you know lots of us have said about things who like is somebody going to be like monitoring people to see where they're going are you under surveillance to see about like oh he snuck out to you know where like how is this going to be uh enforced then they started to have players speak out and say i'm a grown man the man not i'm a grown man i'm gonna go where i want to I have no idea uh, because they already had like fines and things in place. They already had like a protocol. You're supposed to have a mask on and do this. Don't do that. They've been finding people. So for two weeks, this sort of increased restrictions and to have people already balking and saying that they're not going to do it like, oof. Uh, the end and it continued. Now it went. Okay. What about the uh, vaccines? You know, uh, and it was the same thing. You got, you know, professional sports players. I don't want a vaccine. I'm good. I don't want to do that. Uh, and and these people are traveling, right? You might have to go from city to city and all this. So they're saying, hey, these folks could potentially be uh, super spreaders because they're doing so much traveling, coming in contact with so many people. Logical. Uh, so it was, hey, maybe they should be vaccine. Maybe they should be on the list of people that are mandated to get vaccines because they could be super spreaders. 
that sparked gripes and complaints for lots of different reasons. So regardless of what your work environment is like lots and lots of things to be mindful of right now, I cannot say enough. Both of those conversations were about policy and procedure. I've said that for, but it's been a year now. Oof. COVID has caused so many changes to policy and procedure. Like if you didn't read your policy and procedure before, read your policy and procedure every day now, because I mean, it's seeming almost like daily amendments to, you know, what is acceptable, what's not acceptable. What are we supposed to be doing to stay safe? What are we not supposed to be suing? Uh, what are we not supposed to be doing? Are there, you know, going to be punitive actions if you're not, you know, following what the rules and regulations are? Is the vaccine included now? Is that something potentially on the horizon, horizon that we might have to think about? Like lots to process. Make sure you check your policy and procedure particularly I would say for people if you work you have a company it's advanced enough you all have enough technology where you have like a digital uh, manual where you know it might be easily edited or they frequently or from time to time have little updates to the policy and procedure like oh yeah I bet you might be in that group where every day there's a new page to the policy and procedure so yes make sure you are abreast of what you are supposed to do not supposed to do all of that and then if anything is not clear ask questions maybe via email in fact preferably via email so that you will have an electronic record of clarification Let's see other folks uh, dialed in with a hand up if you have commentary to share should be with us Can I be heard? Yes, ma'am. Hey, uh, hello, uh, Gus and listeners and callers. I haven't been on for a while. I was codified software developer in Wisconsin. Um, so I, I listening to that, I listening to be in Toronto. I just wanted to preface my report by saying um, thank you to anyone who is out there. Um, I've, I'm going to use a metaphor on the front line. Um, and has to deal with this this coronavirus head on. I am actually very blessed not to have to work, um, not to have to work in an office, but I can work remotely, and that's beneficial. So I only have to deal with the pandemic of white supremacy, uh, which is bad enough, but I couldn't imagine dealing with both. Um, that being said, I just sort of wanted to give an update regarding the uh, kerfuffle in, <laughs> at the Capitol building a couple weeks ago. Um, so I have noticed at my job, I work remotely, and I st- recently started a new job about three months ago, and I have noticed that this job is very much into what they call diversity and inclusion. Um, and so as a result, they want to have a dialogue, you know, about these these events, and, and, and my teammates want to talk about these events, and I have just taken a position that I won't say anything. Uh, and um, I do have a, a co-worker who is a refined, at this point he's a refined racist. Um, I 
looked into joining the employee resource group, the non-white employee resource group at the company, just to see what they were talking about. And I noticed that his name was on the invite list. Um, and so I got a little, uh, I guess I got a little leery of joining that one. But after the Capitol building incident, this group had a meeting, and I was talking to him. So because we all work remotely, we're actually in these Zoom meetings and Google Meet all the time. So just, you know, again, just for anybody who's, who has to be on these Zoom meetings, make sure you have a background up. Google Meet, you can blur your background, you know, make sure your children are not going to walk in so nobody has any has any information that they don't need about you. Um, and so we're on this meet. He said, oh, are you going to this meeting? And I said, well, um, I have a lot of work to do. So, you know, I'm just, I'm, I'm going to do my work. You know, really I didn't want to go because I knew they were going to talk about this capital building uh, issue. And, and I figured that he was going to go. And I really didn't want to bother with that. And so he says, um, He's like, oh, okay. I said, well, you just just let me know what they're talking about, you know. Just report back, you know, <laughs> and that, that's about it. Uh, and he's like, oh, okay. You know, so he makes sure that he tells me, you know, during this meeting. He's like, oh, I joined, and the first thing I hear is one thing we could do is have events to celebrate cultures, you know. And I'm like, oh, okay, well, you know, maybe that's what they want to do. I don't know. And uh, you know, he's like. And he's like, oh, it looks like the topic of today's meeting is the, is personal reactions to the sedition yesterday. So he did name it correctly, I guess, or I would call it terrorism or whatever. And I said, oh, well, you'll have to let me, I'll say interesting, you'll have to let me know what the consensus is. And he was just like, oh, it's just emotive responses, no political analysis to speak of. And I'm like, right on. You know, and he's, he, you know, I, I guess I'm getting, I, and I wonder if other people on this call are getting this, but I'm getting this sort of, these feelers put out from these white people that I'm around. When you're cold, when you're when you try to, or when you attempt to be codified uh, professionally, white I think white people sense something that's much different about you, and they want to get to the point where they can at least figure out how to control you or how to control your emotions, so they can get you to do the things that they want you to do or confuse you even further, what have you. And I believe that it seems like uh, my white coworkers have now figured out that maybe I'm not as confused about racism. I don't address any politics on the job. I haven't talked about the Capitol uh, building issue. And I would say, or the terrorism at the Capitol building, and I would say that there was something that I could talk about professionally, the whole parlor incident uh, where you're talking about how poorly it was actually engineered. I mean, that is a professional topic. And even then, I didn't say anything, you know. Um, and so I just I just get this fishing. Uh, and I, I think it's very interesting. So I'm just wondering if, uh, if other non-white people are experiencing that. Um, and just really quickly, a second issue I found is that after the Capitol building terrorism, um, I've had white people at my job try to relate to me and in ways I think are, are just very, uh, very funny. Uh, my boss, we had we have this thing called happy hour, and we have to go on at the team building thing, and we talk about whatever. 
So I found safe things to talk about, like video games or something like that. Um, and they asked what kind of music I like, and I was just, I, you know, I try to keep this safe, so sometimes I'll say classical or whatever. And I probably shouldn't have said this, but I said 90s R&B. And, uh, and, and, you know, my manager's like, oh, you know, I've been to a genuine concert. He was awesome. You know, that same weekend I went to a concert with this white rapper. I don't know who the white rapper was. And there were all these white people there, and they were fighting. And the, at the Chief of My concert, there were all these black people there. And I just, nobody was fighting, and everybody was having a good time. And I'm thinking, there's something wrong with this whole racial thing. And I'm like, oh, okay. Well, whatever. I got to go. Bye. You know? <laughs> so I'm just wondering that, you know, just those two two things there. I'm just wondering if people actually experience that where you start to get this sort of digging into your life or you start getting these very pointed questions to figure out where you stand politically or, or you know, where you stand in terms of racial um, issues or politics or what have you. Um, and with that, I'll mute my line. Thank you. <clears throat> Codified software developer very good to hear from you update I'm sure other folks appreciate it as well getting uh, an update um, hmm let's see the fishing uh, I think that is very very common other folks can report uh, people who are listening in but oh yeah I think that's in terms of like personally I've experienced it I've experienced it and then I think We've had many folks who've also talked about just the digging and digging, trying to, you know, get into your to background and get some details, especially with what's uh, transpired in the last you know week or so. Um, as you said, trying to relate and this will be my way maybe to bring it up racism in some way, shape, form. That's why I said, like, it's just it's nothing to discuss. I mean, you've already got that bedrock part of codification uh, I'm not going to lean into it like nothing to say on it at all like if they're going to talk about it or what have you as she said like nope I am good uh, and you can report back you're going to attend the meeting you can report back and you know let me want let me know what's going down uh, but that is so common uh, to get in and just rude red especially if we got a, a black as she said a black person not white person period really uh, who she is a little bit codified you know she doesn't just go around laughing at all of our jokes and you know she's speaks you know we hear but she doesn't just go on and 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 talking and talking and talking about anything like hmm, what's what's i don't know she's just not behaving like the way we are accustomed to our victims behaving like hmm we need to take her out to lunch or something. Maybe we can get her at happy hour, get a few drinks in her and then, you know, get into her background a little bit like that is that white people are not ignorant about their niggers. So when they bump into one of us that, you know, perplexes them a little bit. Oh, yeah, they get the study and that they get the fishing, put it that way. Um, but, yeah, that's again, just being bedrock about not talking about politics and that sort of thing in the workplace. Uh, as she said, really, even with, <clears throat> if they have those sort of, uh, 
non-white organizations, right, where it's going to be black people and we get together and we're supposed to be about diversity, inclusion or what have you. Really, it would be nosiness or how, how shall I say, how shall I say, uh, counter racist experiment. I'm studying. This is just to see what they're talking about. Not not that I'm even going to do a whole lot of talking here either. <laughs> I'm really just you have what do they say? You have two ears, one mouth. So you can do twice as much listening, maybe even three or four times as much listening. That's what the purpose is going to be. Not for me to come even here and talk, especially if it's an environment where where it's like advertised in a braggy way that this is like about emotional emotive speaking like oh that doesn't sound constructive <laughs> i'm gonna i'm gonna pass on that one uh and and if this is uh whatever function this is if it's supposed to be geared to non-white people or whatever and then you got this refined white fella uh who somehow ends up being invited like hmm very dangerous white man indeed um but yeah the 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 fishing even when they they start fishing and and trying to dig and get information about things that are off like if they start out with the capital situation and then it switches to just kind of general background information like what type of music do you like and all of that and i remember i think some years back mr Steele, uh we were talking about workplace racism we were talking about food and i said man any of this i would try to keep it just on things related to the job because if it drifts to anything doesn't get any better than tacky even food that's going to be tacky and people had lots of examples of that where it ended up going to food and they get you already know where it's going fried chicken jokes and aunt your mama and all the rest of it uh and the same even with uh the music we've had folks where it somehow it ends up you know, oh i hate going to the gas station the niggers have got you know all that uh loop bass music and everything down at the gas station it's terrible uh or they drift off into oh 90s R&B oh I love it I was at the boys the men concert and the niggers were acting really I'm not interested in hearing about your fascination with boys the men or how you were at the Mary J Blige concert or any of that like let's just stick to the workplace um, but yeah folks if folks have experience with uh, the White people get very curious, especially if you're a little bit codified or maybe a lot codified in your conduct in the workplace. And you've noted like, man, white people are super inquisitive about my behavior, my life and times like feel free to share. But I've noted that that is a very common one. Uh, number again, seven, two, zero, seven, one, six. 7300 the code 564943 pound press star 61 if you would like to participate yes white supremacy is pandemic enough for sure uh let's see other folks who are with us if you have commentary to share lunch should be open proceed May I be heard? Yes, sir. Uh, greetings, callers, and greetings, participants. Uh, greetings, Gus. Um, yeah, just um, I'm definitely uh, just an update, really. I called last week in regards to the event planning that I was doing for this company. Um, I was able to finally actually get things organized so that 
the event only went out to other black professionals in the States um, so that it wasn't broadcasted to all the other groups. This was a, an ERG group event almost um, specifically targeting, it was supposed to specifically target black people and the issues that they have due to Corona and um, lack of work, uh, obviously because of the pandemic, uh, mental health. Um, one of the non-white people tried to broadcast this and put this to every other group within the company, and I requested that it didn't get pushed there. And uh, finally, it is going to stay within the group of non-white people instead of pushed out to the others. Uh, but that definitely was a, a something I had to consistently push for. Um, also, in regards to that third segment that was played, I could see how this unfolds in, in on so many levels. I've I've seen now there was a, initially a non-white female black woman at my job that held held a position of diversity and inclusion at the job. That was her main role in HR, and ever since everything happened last year. She was put under extreme amounts of pressure to the point that she quit. And um, when I spoke to her on the phone, I recently spoke to her about two weeks ago. I asked her, you know, why did they let you go? And she said, no, I, they didn't let me go. I quit. They were putting too much work on me, asking me to do too much to actually save them. And that's the word she used, save them. And I wasn't willing to do it. You know, there, there are other jobs where I can get, you know, more done. And some of the things that I would implement would actually be implemented instead of just talk. And that's one of the things that hit me about the segment that was said was just, they're just talking right now. These, most, these major corporations, these international ones, they just want to talk their way through this to the point where they could finally wait until it passes. And during that process, they'll put somebody in position of power that's black. And then after it subsides and passes, then they'll write it off, remove that person and continue with business as normal. Um, and this is not anything new. Of course, we all know this. But ever since this non-white, this non-white female black woman stepped down, there's been a black man that stepped into his place. And he now is dealing with this situation of inclusion and diversity. And every time I talk to him, he is worn out. I mean, beat. And uh, I don't feel that this is a constructive thing for him. I think he may be under the impression that it's going to be successful, but I, I just don't see it, unfortunately. And right now, I'm going to continue working with this group, giving suggestions, but I'm going to gracefully, as they say, bow out at the end of my session at the end of the year. I'll no longer participate with this black professionals group because I could see that it's just not constructive. It's good for your career to have it that you planned and organized these events. It looks good, but at the end of the day, it's not, it's not leading to anything positive for people within the group. So I'm, I'm going to start, uh, stepping down bit by bit as the uh, year progresses. Um, that being said, I will mute my line. Thank you.
Right on. I guess I'll uh, commend your effort uh, in putting the event together that's supposed to help out other victims of racism and then uh, putting a code together to keep that event from being promoted uh, beyond the victims of racism, the non-white people, uh, which is something that we've talked about before uh, with some of the, I guess, perils of social media. Uh, and particularly if you are in the same network, like social media network with some of your non-white coworkers, uh, you can have content that you share a picture event, whatever it is with them. If they're okay, non-white person, but if they aren't codified, bam, they can immediately get that and then share to all the white people that they're friends with on social media or whatever it is. So, um, excellent job, I guess, you know, to, to go around and really enforce and, you know, stipulate, Hey, this is not something that we're sharing to the larger network. This is just for us. Uh, this is just, you know, non-white people trying to promote and share information with other non-white people uh, at the company about this event. So, uh, bravo job. Well done. Uh, and even there, I would uh, still be thinking like, man, it would not surprise me just because of how we have been conditioned years of terrorism. Uh, if someone even then, you know, didn't, well, I'm going to take a screenshot and just show Margaret because that's my friend. You know, I, I, I know Margaret is, is down. She's a good white woman, that type of a thing. Uh, just because our conditioning has been conditioned. Uh, but that's it, I think. Uh, lots of folks have noted the lack of efficacy uh, with many of these groups uh, and saying, hey, I think there are better ways that I can invest uh, my time and energy uh, while I'm in the workplace. Uh, and so, yeah, I'm not going to do a whole lot of this, but you never know. Uh, it might be an anomalous situation someplace or someplace it might be where you could have more direct influence than others. It might be in one spot where you just end up with a lot of codified and constructive non-white people somehow uh, stacked up in one group. So, you know, I guess maybe it's best to investigate at least before concluding. But generally speaking, uh, I've heard the same thing almost unanimously about these type of uh, groups. Whites have generally already locked them down to make sure that they will be very non-constructive and will waste a lot of non-white people's time without accomplishing very much if anything and they generally tend to be uh, under surveillance directly indirectly both yeah <laughs> we I think uh, we've heard lots of folks who say these sometimes they had a white person present where it seemed like that was that white person's job was just to be there to sur- to conduct surveillance uh, for untold parties Anywho, uh, let's see. Congrats again for uh, codification, figuring out how to keep folks from uh, just sharing willy nilly with everyone. That does take some planning sometimes. Uh, let's see. Other folks who dialed in with. A, I'm sorry. Uh, I said appreciate. Oh, for sure. For sure. Well earned. Uh, other folks who dialed in with a hand up if you have commentary to share. Line should be open. Can I be heard? Her. Oh, right on. Oh. Uh, ladies first, uh, Bay Area mom. 
Thank you. Thank you um, for yielding the call, um, caller. Greetings to everyone on the line. Uh, workplace racism. So <laughs> I've been complaining about the uh, supervisor over my um, cases not doing a home visit for the uh, black child that I have. She's never come, ever, 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 ever. So uh, she's on leave now for a couple of months. Uh, black supervisor is taking her place. I requested that this black supervisor do a home visit, and she did this week. Um, no problem. She could not believe that no one has ever come to the home. No one has ever went over the goals with me. Even when she overlapped before I asked her to come in person, there was no instruction, she noted. Um, and mind you, the overlap is an hour. <laughs> uh, well, she came, she observed. Since the uh, child is in school online, he, he's not, he won't even... Um, He's um, reverted backward. He won't do anything anymore that pertains to learning. Um, <laughs> when the supervisor was there, he was taking my finger, he's never done this, to close out the screen so the teachers that are staring him down on the computer can go away. Um I have a heavy load because the mom works, and uh, she works from home, but apparently she has to work on the phone. So I do the schooling with the second round. He does not like school. It's a fight to get him to participate, and now he's fighting me. Um. I'm agitated because he's not doing anything. So with school involved, I can't get any of my work done. I can't I can't get him to do anything. He's not doing anything. And in school, it takes a lot of my energy just to get him to participate in these uh, sessions. He has maybe, when I'm there, there's maybe three teachers. It just goes out from one to the next. They switch you out, and he does not like it. In the a.m., I'm not there, but I come in towards the end. It's awful. Um, <laughs> when I get in there, he's angry. He's sitting there, but he's bamming on whatever. He's just there because he's forced to be. Um, apparently, recently, he's just tearing up the house because he's not uh, interested in doing anything. So, uh, <laughs> uh, the last session we had, okay, because the supervisor had told, told the mom, you're going to have to, uh, start doing these sessions, the school with him. You're going to have to, if you need her help, meaning me, you can, uh, have her help you, but you're going to have to be the, uh, authoritative because 
he's now looking at me, which is true, as an authority figure, and he is not feeling me. He's not interested in me <laughs> right now. Um, so the mom is like, okay, uh, but she doesn't really do it in real life. I'm usually, I'm the one doing it. Um, I don't even think she can. There's maybe five adults that live in the house, <laughs> but no one's interested in that portion of it. Um, you can tell, oh, it's awful. So the supervisor just said, uh, make sure you tell them that um, I said you can't do any of this. Make sure you still let them know I said it because it's, it's, it's that that's too much and you can't get anything done. So she was able to see that after class, I may only have 25 minutes before it's time for me to leave after the second class. He's not doing anything with me. He's off to himself doing his whatever it is, release intention. So uh, this lie is yesterday. He, uh, sorry, I took him for a walk, come in. And I'm usually uh, half another adult with me when I take them out. But, um, okay, time to pass. No! Mind you, he don't know how to talk. <laughs> no! Like, oh, I, I like you using your words, but class. So mom can't get him. She has to pick him up and take him. He's falling out. Everything happens in the playroom as well. I requested that maybe he... We could shift it another direction, another place, but I, I can't. I can only suggest I'm not going to make you do anything. So it was awful. He's fighting, falling out, like stretcher falling out. So it's awful. Slinging uh, everything, the communication board uh, that he uses, he'll take that and throw that to a whole different city. If He's not interested in anything. It's awful. So, um, oh God, social distancing is social distancing with toddlers doesn't seem possible. I don't understand how. I don't understand any of this. There's no way to social distance with a toddler, especially uh, these toddlers because they're more babyish. So there's no social distancing. Uh, he would rather me just sit there and hold him. And we could just watch videos in real life. He he's not interested in anything. He doesn't want. To, we don't even do ABCs anymore. No counting. He knows how to say his ABCs, and he knows how to count to twenty. He won't even do it anymore. That's just how um, horrible school is for him. And because my supervisor told the parent that it's okay for me to do school, and she's even overlapped with me doing school and said it was fine. The actual supervisor over the case. The parent feels that that's fine. So I had to have the mom come and, uh, can you help me? Here, I'm hearing screaming. Carrie, can you help me? Oh, you need my help? Yes. Here, get this girl. Get this work. So uh, that is not okay. And, you know, but he's still not engaged. He won't participate in any of the activities, really. Uh, it's awful. So I don't know. I'm trying to think of a way to. I don't even know how to think of a way to make them interested in this uh, uh, internet learning with these teachers that act like they don't have um, degrees. Uh, it's awful. So I'm trying to teach him the request things. 
So I take something from him and use the communication board. He's knocking everything. Oh, it's awful. So um, I put in, I, uh, there's another job <laughs> in my company that was hiring and it's not uh, dealing with the children. So I applied for that. They had sent it out. So I applied. And I noticed that uh, after I sent in my <laughs> resume and so forth, they sent it out again like, hey, other people were hiring. Not for her. If she saw it, because I don't participate in anything, I'm barely, I don't do anything unless it's mandatory. So since I applied for another position versus being so essential, they sent it out again to other people <laughs> as a calling. I thought, that, hey, you know, this job is over. It's not just for her. Anybody can get it. So uh, hopefully I'll be able to get that. If not, then I'll just fish around because they're pushing this vaccine real heavy, especially this part of California. And um, they have two different kinds, the Pfizer and another one, um, but there's no choice. You don't have an option. It's just whatever one they stick in you, and you got to do it maybe twice. Uh, and um, you still have to follow the same protocol as if you didn't get the uh, shot. So, um, and I'm still not interested. And, uh, yeah, so I'm just had to or do, update my resume and uh, tweak it a bit. And uh, so that's where I am right now. And uh, thanks for taking my call. I'll meet my line. Pushing the vaccine. Heard that one at the end there. Very important. Been talking about it. She's in uh, California, Bay Area specifically, but in California, and they've been uh, having a really tough time uh, with the vaccine for a long time. Seems like, you know, months, um, months and months and months since we back in the summertime. Uh, very intense uh, restrictions and all the rest. So I'm not surprised uh, to hear that the vaccine is being, you know, pushed a little bit more aggressively there. Um, the Your workplace situation uh, is tragic for you, tragic for the uh, young fella, the whole family, really. Um, it, I guess I'd say one, a few months back on our neutralizing workplace racism broadcast, we spoke about burnout and how that's so critical and how a lot of non-white people, we end up being in just really toxic work environments and it doesn't improve. Like it's not growing, building our career, our future there. It's not even building our wallet very much. And just being there it can just wear you down like they just put you in really bad situations and pile all this work up on you and that sort of thing and it can just burn you out uh, to where you just get frustrated um, overworked disgruntled angry all of it and uh, it it reminded me really uh, the segment of the glass cliff uh, that we started with where they put you in these situations uh, where it's set up to fail and not just you but this young fella too like cause she's been talking about having uh, no solid academic plan 
to help this young student uh, who needs more help. It's not justice, as outlined by Mr. Fuller, those who need the most help get the most help. It's eh, whatever to these Negroes. And then uh, I think we have an audio report tomorrow for the compensatory call in describing how black people, non-white people, victims of racism, since uh, the Rona situation in the U.S., uh, the non-white students who are already doing poorly in schools, they have been just absolutely wiped out. Uh, and it, it sounded very similar to what our Bay Area mom was, was describing with this young student, uh, where she was saying, you know, just taking her hand and using it to close the, the window where the teachers were and, and getting totally loud and frustrated uh, and just, I don't, uh, the little bit of progress that he had in terms of verbals and using his words uh, is even regressed from that. I don't even want to do that. Like, that is very common amongst many non-white students through the pandemic and that is probably something that white people predicted would happen uh, in the midst of, especially if this is going to be something that's long lasting a year or two, like, oh yeah, there'll be whole good generation of them wiped out academically as a result of this. So all of that just reminded me of the title that we saw a different manifestation of the report we started with the uh, glass cliff. Uh, But I think just uh, you, you, I think you used the word uh, awful it's just awful in, in describing uh, like just being put in a situation designed to fail. Can't even do a supervision with this young student, that type of thing, things that are policy and procedure protocols that are supposed to happen. And it just doesn't happen. We got all kinds of excuses. I'm at home playing on zoom and all the rest of it. And when you finally get like, I can't believe it. You mean we haven't had supervision for this young fellow? Like what, what in the world? What is going on? It's a total failure. Not the people who need the most help getting the most help. And then seeing how uh, no one, other resources in the house are just not available. Like all of it. Just try. I thought, what, man, what does Dr. Welsing say? When you play around with sex, joke is on the offspring. Anywho, I know we do have educators, uh, so folks have any suggestions, but I think um, it this sounds like a situation that is designed to fail for everyone. This sounds like nobody is vested in seeing these children do well, or at least the, the people who are in charge, the white people are in charge. They're not vested in seeing these children do well. They're not seeing the workers thrive and do well individually or for these children. I mean, in my view, you're doing the correct thing. I'm going to see if I can get another position and move on because it is absurd and designed to be. I can't emphasize that enough. Like this is what they want. They want this young, uh, young man to struggle and not be able to learn. We're not even going to try. We're not even going to fake it that we're trying to put some sort of competent academic plan uh, together for him. Nope. And how similar does this sound to what other black parents, black children experience really anywhere in the world? System of white supremacy. Much obliged, our 
Bay Area mom. Uh, self-care, can't say it enough, burnout is a super problem. And uh, when when we end up stuck in these type of dead end and designed to be shabby situations, that can be a recipe for burnout. Uh, in the same Golden State, uh, Rob, did you have commentary, sir? Thank you for your patience. Uh, yes, thank you. Uh, greetings to hosts, callers, and listeners. Uh, just small reports this week. Um, San Diego is uh, on a mandatory shutdown. Uh, at this point, I guess they're paying attention to the numbers, rise and fall of the COVID, I guess, depending on how full the emergency rooms are. Um is, I guess, depending on when things will open back up. So <clears throat> even though San Diego is shut down, um, businesses like uh, local eateries and uh, bars slash restaurants have still been operating, and it, it hasn't been a lot of enforcement to uh, shut the places down. Uh, like, I'm right across the street from the establishment that's open right now. So, uh, technically, businesses are operating illegally. Um, and uh, as far as my work situation, um, I am laid off due to COVID. Um, my unemployment benefits have ran out. Um And so, like a lot of other people, um, I don't have an income at this time. And with the uh, unemployment benefits being exhausted, it's supposed to be a federal extension um, applied to where people that already have claims in don't have to refile. That hasn't kicked in yet Um, at this point. um, I'm not that worried. Um, I would say that um, I'm not sure. um, It's a lot of uncertainty at this point as far as uh, finances look going forward. So that is a bit of a concern. Not a huge concern at this point, but it is uh, something for me to think about and consider moving forward. And that's all I have to report at this time. Thank you. Much obliged, Rob, in Wisconsin. Can say that again. Uncertainty. I think folks all over the world uh, are saying that to some degree. Well, racist white supremacists, maybe a little less, but many victims probably saying the same thing. Uncertainty. Um, so he said San Diego is on lockdown. Uh, I guess due to, I don't know if it's a hospital situation or a number of COVID cases, but as I said, I know California, it has been really bad. So uh, at least that's what's been reported. I'm not in California, um, but the shutdown uh, to be that massive, like, wow. Um, kind of the same thing I said, though, with the enforcement, like, I don't know. I don't know what that what, what that means, like in terms of if if police are out, 
stopping people or going in restaurants and asking people, what are they doing open? Are you distancing? Like, I don't know what the enforcement of all of that looks like, but wow. Um, in terms of the impact uh, on jobs and such, uh, I think white people were out protesting back in April. So I can only imagine uh, the number of folks who are uh, distraught or also feeling a great sense of uh, uncertainty uh, about, you know, what what things are going to look like and how long this is going to last and, you know, all the rest of it. So, oof, man, it has been uh tragic on many levels and uh, just extremely nerve wracking I think for folks all over the world just trying to figure out you know what is when is all of this going to begin to look like it's concluding and when are we going to be even you know able to to plan uh, you know much less get back to a normal work schedule get back to a normal school schedule and all the rest, much less be able to leave the house without having a mask on and all the other things. So, yes, thank you, uh, Rob, in California. Much obliged for the update and hope things uh, for you and the rest of us. We are able to kind of maintain until things stabilize a little bit to uh, kind of get back on a little bit firmer ground. But uncertainty that has been the word for about the last 12 months now, man. Uh, context of white supremacy neutralizing workplace racism the number again seven two zero seven one six seven three hundred the code five six four nine four three pound press star six one if you would like to participate uh, we have less uh, than 60 minutes left in the program so make sure folks if you have commentary don't dally wait till the last minute uh, if you have uh, suggestions for the other folks who shared thus far your own situation feel free nab some of the other folks who dialed in with a hand up uh, let's see Mm-mm-mm. other folks that we missed totally if you have a hand up uh, proceed. Can I be heard? Greetings, retired firefighter in Florida. Greetings, Gus. Greetings uh, to everyone. Speaking of firefighting, <laughs> I was just uh, listening to the program and at the same time, we just Recently, just thinking about uh, how uh, COVID-19 uh, is complicating uh, the job that I retired from. Uh, there, there was uh, on the, there, there is on the job a nature of protecting oneself against what you could pick up from other people by, you know, by going on the mercy call, you know, wearing gloves, that sort of thing, uh, especially when you're handling a needle or touching someone, uh, you never know what what is on them. Uh, the blood is obvious, but, uh, you know, other things that possibly uh, you can uh, pick up, you know, the whole thing with sometimes a mask, even 
would be required. But with the pandemic, even in the fire station itself, uh, you're talking about uh, 24-hour shifts uh, of employees coming from uh, from outside uh, from where their their uh, home abode is uh, to uh, work, uh, and it's on shifts, 24-hour shifts, that sort of thing. Uh, and the it's it can get up to uh, seven to eight personnel uh, at a fire station, and a fire station is about the size of uh, uh, a uh, I would say something something com- something comparable to a four four two four bedroom two two bath uh, house or maybe a three uh, a bedroom a uh, two-bath house, uh, and also along with that, uh, a few offices, that sort of thing. But uh, it, it could be it could be uh, uh, crowded in a sense, you know. So I, I know things. Of, I, I haven't really dwelled into it uh, because most of everybody that I know that 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 was on the job is like myself retired. So we don't, you know, and we, I have, I'm not that curious to, to want to find out. I'm just, just thinking about it, that I know it, it, it's a very complicated situation uh, in, in involving uh, what to do and how to do it. It was all, it was kind of critical even before, but uh, with the pandemic, you know, I, I, I can imagine, I can only imagine how much more complicated uh, things would be. Uh, you know, as far as training and uh, and uh, there's more to do than just going on rescue calls and fire calls, and and I, I, that has to be altered in, in some kind of way. Just 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 thinking, and uh, that's all I'd say. Thinking. Much obliged, retired firefighter in Florida. I was thinking that might be in the. Uh, essential worker category where those folks might have to be at the front of the line, you know, to get the vaccine and all. Um, if that makes a difference, they said, even if you do that, you still got to wear a mask and take the protocols. But yeah, I would think because of the, as you described the close living quarters and then who knows what you might, you know, run into on the call and have to touch and all that other stuff. If you have to do any, uh, CPR first aid type of thing. So absolutely. Um, that is, all kinds of hazard under these conditions. And I think they had even said that they had all those when they had the wildfires uh, on the West out here, right. And at the end of the summer, they were saying the Rona complicated everything. Got to have a mask on, got a social distance and all the rest. So yeah, I can't, uh, this would probably not be a time where I'd be really enthused uh, about that uh, profession or really anything where yeah, you're going to be in close emergency contact with other people. Like, hmm, something to think yeah, about. Yeah, that, that, that's going to be, they're, they're probably going to be uh, required to uh, take that vaccine. I, 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 I'll be surprised otherwise. I'll be surprised otherwise. Absolutely. They're talking about 
saying, hey, professional athletes, they could be super spreaders. We can't have you, you know, pop into L.A., play the Lakers on Friday and then have you fly across the country to play the Knicks on Sunday. Like, oh, no, you might have to be front of the line, too. They were just, you know, hypothesizing apps. I would think same would apply for firefighters, have them out in all those dangerous situations and what have you in contact with so many different people. Uh, Let's see other folks uh, who dialed in with a hand up. Uh, If you have commentary to share your own situation or suggestions based on what has been shared thus far, uh, line should be open. Proceed. Well, I guess, uh, Kyle's guest then, um, Gus, um, I was just trying to um, think of a suggestion for the young lady who had the kid, the the toddler that didn't really want to learn anything, and, um, then I was also thinking about myself in my work situation where I thought about what Gus, what you just said about being in situations where it's designed not to, where it's designed to fail. And after thinking about um, that young lady situation, then I, I also thought about my work situation. And I was also in a situation where I probably should have quit because it wasn't like a, a win situation. Well, maybe that's a metaphor. What I mean is it wasn't a situation that would be constructive for me. So, um, yeah, but I also wanted to add that um, sometimes when you use certain words to describe your situation, it kind of makes it difficult for you to deal with. So um, I was just listening to her, and she, she used a lot of words. She used the word... Um, a complaint, and so I went into Mr. Fuller's book, and you know, you were saying um, it's probably wise to use words like um, report, because then if you go to your supervisor and you want to ask questions about getting constructive suggestions about how she could approach, you know, the the toddler in the situation and speak to the parents, you know, then you would make make a report to them. So that was just my suggestion. Thank you, Bob. Thanks. I'll make my way. Yes, sir. Much obliged. Uh, I think that's, I think I said, I think a lot of us can relate to uh, being in those type of situations. It is very popular. That's why I said it was so tacky in that report. They said, oh, no, 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 no. I don't think uh, uh, people sit down, white people, I don't think they sit down and look for situations and say, oh man, this is uh, absolutely toxic. Like, there's no way somebody's going to be successful here. Absolutely messed up. Uh, hmm, we have a black person we can put in charge of this? Hmm. Oh, yes, look right. <laughs> yes, like, yes, they do this sort of thing deliberately on a regular basis, on a large scale and on a smaller scale. I'm sure we have lots of folks who can relate to that being put in these type of uh, predicaments there is no win there is no success there is absolutely nothing that can be done to resurrect this situation it's just going to be a lot of grief Uh, and then perhaps even people blaming you for this when they knew from the very beginning that oh yeah this is going to be messed up completely Mm -mm. oh well as long as I don't get blamed for it that happens all the time so yeah just a big part of the system of racism and uh absolutely words very important being uh 
mindful uh, about how we describe things in the workplace, uh, even in situations where it's looking like, yeah, this is going to be doomed regardless. Uh, let's see. Other folks uh, who dialed in with a hand up. We have other folks. Let's see. Back before I nab some of our other folks who dialed in with a hand up, I guess I will make sure to get in uh, one of our young fella, our young scholar uh, who did give us an upset update. Sorry, um, dealing with the whole going to school situation and uh, saying, "Wow, he's moved in with his young uh, roommates, white." roommates and uh, it seems that they are all safe and sound thus far no difficulties hopefully it'll stay that way for uh, the duration Uh, he said that they have been taking uh, the Rona situation seriously which is I think something we talked about Uh, that was a huge concern uh, being in a college environment because they talked about how unsafe so many of the uh, campuses have been because young white people predominantly not taking it serious and doing beer pong and all the rest of it. Um, but he said they, you know, have been, they had already talked about that one. Uh, but he said that they have followed through taking it seriously. They're not having, uh, house guests and all the other craziness, uh, that they have been, uh, kind of just being young scholars doing their, uh, work, staying at home, got groceries and, uh, have just been there. So he said thus far it has been, very calm no problems Uh, I didn't get to ask any questions about the capital or anything like that Uh, but like as I said hopefully we can get uh, maybe you know one or two more uh, updates throughout the year Uh, and again using this as an experiment like let's just see and what interesting times to be able to observe uh, younger individuals classified as white to see how they respond might even you never know you might even have some Trump supporter roommates right we don't know so we'll see we'll uh, wait as I said maybe we can get one or two more updates through the calendar year and uh, he can let us know if he's making sure to stay safe uh, and then maybe practicing some codification as well uh, let's see other folks dialed in uh, if you have suggestions commentary uh, for any of the folks who dialed in already or uh, your own situation. Uh, I think uh, we did have the question about if you have been in a workplace situation and you feel like, hey, I'm somewhat codified. You know, I'm a, at least I function a little bit differently than some of the other black people who also work here. And, you know, you felt like white people were curious about you. Uh, you know, kind of kept an eye on you or kind of asked a few more questions of you to try to get some information or what have you. Uh, we had that one caller who asked about that codified software developer. Uh, but if we have folks, other folks who have comments, questions, suggestions, feel free. see if folks are getting their thoughts together uh we should be here tomorrow uh compensatory call in 9 p.m eastern 6 p.m 
Pacific, uh, we'll review, prepare for the inauguration and what has gone down the past seven days or so, second impeachment of our president. Uh, And then we'll be here, as I said already, Global Sunday Talk on Racism, irregular time, 3 p.m. Eastern, 2 p.m. Central, 12 noon Pacific this Sunday. And then we'll be here on Monday uh, as well. Uh, Dottie Bosk, uh, she is former Olympic athlete for Team USA. Uh, she's, I think, pretty proud uh, vegan and does not consume any dairy products. Duh. Uh, we'll be talking about that and racism on Monday. White woman. White. We did have a black uh, guest on this week, but still white guests only, even though we did have a non-white guest. Uh, but we should be on every day from now until Monday, all programs, normal broadcast time. Uh, I guess stay tuned in if you think the content constructive. Uh, and in fact, uh, we've been on every day since, I don't even know, they've all kind of blurred together since the power outage. I think like Tuesday, we've been on every day this week since uh, Tuesday. Uh, we had Pat McKenna on, O.J. Simpson's uh, investigator for his trial. Alan Dershowitz may be coming to the cows shortly. We'll have to see. Uh, but I did reach out to him uh, almost on a lark. Uh, and lo and behold, I heard back. Uh, see if we can get a uh, date and time. But we are slowly stacking up members of the O.J. Simpson defense team uh, on the cows. We might even have to break down and see if we can get some of the uh, prosecution members on as well. But uh, the O.J. Simpson Cows Library uh, is looking pretty spiffy by the moment. Lots and lots to learn about racism, white supremacy uh, with that case, the book club, all of the above. Uh, but yes, looking forward and perhaps Alan Dershowitz on the program soon, even if he's not, will be here every day from now until Monday. Lots of counter-racist content. Uh, let's see. Other folks have uh, thoughts, observations. No, I just had a quick observation about the school situation. Um, I have a, well, I have a son uh, who started high school this year, and uh, due to the coronavirus, I was reluctant to send him to school. And, of course, so he was he was remote at home, and the way his school was set up, they actually had class every day. They split the school into two cohorts, so to speak. And half of the school would be in the school, and the other half would be remote and attending class via Zoom. And so he would have class at the same time, but I noticed that his grades were falling um, and that he just was becoming very listless and very depressed. And it was due to, I, I believe it was just due to the fact that he didn't have the adequate socialization. So even if the children are getting maybe... Uh, the academics then, they're still not getting the socialization. Um, I have a friend who's um, who's a psychologist, a black female um, psychologist, and she said she's been getting a lot of referrals for uh, testing for children for learning disabilities. And these children don't have learning disabilities. It's just that the stress and, and the um, uncertainty of the time is is affecting them greatly. Uh, 
and this is this is not just non-white children, but white children as well. But particularly, I think this is particularly hard for non-white children since already most of our children are going to schools where there aren't adequate resources in the first place. So I just wanted to mention that. And also, I've been listening to the uh, book club, and it has been actually pretty, pretty, pretty good. I've been enjoying it. Thank you. I'll meet my line. Much obliged, O.J. Simpson, man, everyone, quasi-expert, if you're a counter-racist, attempted counter-racist, quasi-expert on uh, the O.J. Simpson case. Uh, but put what she just said, <clears throat> excuse me, put which uh, codified software developer put what she just said in terms of the impact on black children victims of racism black children uh, with all of this you miss out on and for young children so much of school is the social component I mean yeah you're doing the learning all that but I mean being around the other children and getting to do all the fun and playing around and just learning that learning the socialization aspect and how to behave and play nicely with others um missing out on all of that uh, and then missing out on all of that that word again uncertainty for who knows how long uh, you know it started off maybe a month a week and now it's just going on and on like years like who knows like huge impact uh, and then you already have these students whose needs are not being met are not being well served and then to have this on top of that like be really mindful. I think that was one of the uh, reports that I was talking about that we might be hearing tomorrow uh, that they were saying even if uh, if, if you directly have offspring uh, or just around children, whatever it is, be really mindful. Uh, they may be conducting themselves as though they are okay, not having a problem, but I mean missing this much time away from school and their friends and all the rest of it it has been a huge impact and just that word again the uncertainty that has a huge impact on children even for them being around adults who are super stressed and worried that has an impact on them so yes be very mindful if you have children or around children whatever it is uh, that all of this has been extremely hard on them and even if it doesn't look like you know they're struggling and having a lot of mental difficulties and all of this check in with them anyway because very likely they are uh, it's tough as it has been on adults it trust it has been just as tough on children if not tougher they've had you know just like us their whole routine up up ended indefinitely um let's see much obliged uh codified software developer um and even that like that because they've in some places they like she was saying they have uh the split like sometimes it's virtual or it's hybrid sometimes it's virtual sometimes it's in person and all the i mean woof man stability let me know what to expect so i can really excel academically all of that in the trash for this year really for the last two years it's looking like now um other folks 
uh, with comments, observations to share? May I be heard? Caller in Florida. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Thank you very much, sir. Greetings to Gus, the host, the listeners and callers. Uh, I was thinking about the portion of the audio segment where uh, the lady was saying how they will um, put a non-white person or a black person into a high position. That reminds me of what's been going on at our job. But with this guy, as I shared before, a victim of racism, he uh, was pretty much given the, his first supervisor job when the uh, older white guy that I used to speak about, he retired. Then they gave that to him. Then a white woman was given the job that he has now before he got it. So she was only in for um, like 11 months, not even really a whole year. So uh, that's another thing they like to do too. But I think they do have um, like legal issues going on, with, I guess with what they call discrimination. But uh, I wanted to start off by sharing uh there was a customer, and sometimes I get these kinds of customers that want copies, and they're doing a name change where I guess they're doing uh, the sex change thing, transgender, and the pronouns. I know I've spoken about this before with the white people on the job. I'm like, hey, you know, can I get some advice as to what to say? And I hadn't really gotten a response on that. So I would either just say, or it's like, uh, and responding to them, was like correct, sure, and yes, that seems to be working whenever they ask me something instead of the ma'am and sir because uh, one of the incidents I shared, a person uh, was upset of being called a ma'am, but this was a male, okay? And when the white woman, who now is a devout clique member, she walked off and the the guy said, I don't know why she didn't get that right. Uh, I'm a guy. So that's been something that's somewhat I've been thinking about. Number two is uh, there was an email that went out about it was titled Departmental Goals 2021. So I, I stopped at 1,000 reports, right, on the 22nd of December. So I went from one to 1,000 in like one year. Okay. I started in 2019, but all my other reports in the notebook are in the phone. So they obviously, like I said, they were reading, they were reading the emails, but they never came and talked to me. So all of a sudden when I stopped, um, you know, they want to send this email out saying, just wanted to let everyone know that they're doing a great job in the department. And the clerk wanted us to come up with, or wanted, I guess, the supervisor in the administrative meeting they had last week to come up with a list of goals or whatever that may mean. Uh, because she was saying, well, this year we have the 
the indexing imaging project going on and people are working on a checklist. But other than that, do anyone does anyone have any suggestions on improvement processes and and other kind of goals and things like that? If you want to share on the topic, just send me a message and choose the metaphor that in all of the departments you are the cog or the clog or whatever cog that keeps the clock going or some metaphor she used. Okay, so here again, the um, the proverbial uh, behaviors, they put my name first in these kind of emails. Now, no time before my name wasn't first, but now they want to put my name and the other black people's name. But my name definitely is because I think they wanted to hear more of my views and what those emails were because I was talking about their racism, but I was using my own terms and I was mixing up different things. So they had never seen that before. So, but they never came and talked to me. Okay. Um, my next one is there's a black female who is a supervisor. And I just noticed just something that was uh, interesting and kind of sad. It looks like she's been really stressing out. Uh, and she's maybe about 40, 41. And her hair has been becoming more gray, like very gray. Um, and I could just tell, like, it's, I'm thinking it's due to stress. And another black person victim has uh, noticed that as well, which uh, she said in a report to me that two of her, of this black female's uh, employees, she saw the two of them hug each other. And uh, I'm going to quote what she says. She said, I think that's the start of a new alliance. That's what she said to me. Um, and I'm not even surprised because they're pretty much in the same circle. Uh, my next one is there was a comment made. I was talking to uh, an area where there was mostly black people and they apparently like to intrude racist suspects. Uh, I was just stopping to get envelopes for my mail pickup. So she, the white woman, she walks up to the printer like she was going to get something off the printer, but that wasn't the, the goal. And she, looks toward us and says, oh, are, are we in a huddle? I guess what, H-U-D-D-L-E, are we in a huddle? We in a huddle? And the black female supervisor says, no, we just, uh, we just were talking or whatever. So I found that interesting. She used that term. I thought about a football team. So definitely it sounds like racism was practiced. Um, there was... A, uh, a passport couple that came in, they had a white child and the blonde hair blue eyed, of course. And I know I've shared in the past about white children and how they are definitely taught to practice racism at an early age, not far from birth. Uh, so the black female said to the couple, hey, you know, like, can y'all step outside? you know, so we can get prepared to take the picture. So the baby was just fine, quiet, 
you know, well-behaved or whatever. And when the the parent, the mom, uh, was about to stand the child on the stool and the black female was approaching her with the camera, she starts crying. I mean, like crying badly, right? So, uh, you know, I'm just observing, and the crying gets worse and worse. So, uh, not a supervisor, but a coworker, she walks from the other side of the office, what I call the white side, quote-unquote, with the headset on, saying, no, asking, oh, did you pinch her? Did you pinch that baby? Saying that to the black female. And, you know, white people are definitely dismissive as, oh, she was just joking, right? Did you pinch that baby? So the black person always criminal and defective, always up to something. The baby was just crying, I think, because the baby was racist. Um, but that white person walked up and was trying to, I guess with some kind of flashy object, trying to get the baby to cheer up so the baby can smile for the picture. So it looks like it didn't work. Another person comes from the front counter, and she was also trying to do something to help cheer the baby up, calm the baby down. I said, man, I've never seen this happen with a child before that was not white, if the baby started crying. But they were doing this because the baby was white, you know, placing a lot of value into into the child. So I was trying to do something myself, uh, and then I got up, and I was going to go ask the supervisor something about UPS envelopes, FedEx, and the non-white, non-black person. <laughs> uh, she she says she asked me, "Oh, well, blank, did you scare the baby?" And I said, "Maybe," <laughs> because there's been times where I could just walk up, and there'll be it'll be a white baby. And the baby will be afraid, okay? Not all the time, but there'll be sometimes. So I'd say, yeah, maybe I did scare the baby, you know, because the baby is racist, but I didn't say that. But that's what I'm thinking. That's why I responded in that context. But the white woman, she was like, oh, oh, no, oh, no, oh, no. Because, you know, she heard what was said to me. All right? Um, and... That's all the reports I have. Thanks for allowing me to share. Everybody still there? Oh, I'm here. Yes, sir. Oh, okay. Much obliged caller in Florida. Let's see. I had my little list ready to roll. The pronouns I have gotten. I'm sorry? Yeah. Okay. Uh, I was saying with the uh, pronouns, I've gotten in trouble with that myself. Like, man, um, sometimes it's just best to correct. Yes. Right. Thank you. Uh, Just I've gotten in trouble with that myself. And, you know, I'm not trying to uh, guess. And because sometimes they can get really curious uh the different sets of pronouns and such so yeah yes correct 
right. It will not be Gusty that they cough and gripe and say he disrespected. And I just told the <clears throat> person I wanted to be called, you know, sir, I'm clearly a man and all the rest of that. Not going to be me. Just right. Correct. Uh, the tackiness in the letters. We had talked about that before, I think, particularly when they like move a black person's name a little bit higher up the list uh, if they're going to send out like some sort of group email or communique and they have a black person's name at the top of it when they normally do not you know even talk to us when they see us in person Uh, and then the uh, invisible man metaphor you are the cog that keeps things going that is right out of Ralph Ellison like uh, you're not a person man not not a human being uh, some sort or not even a machine here a part of a machine um, the people or the parents rather that came in to get their uh, passport and they had the child um, I felt like there was a situation <clears throat> I felt like there was a situation with a child at the uh, at the courthouse last week where they were uh, being tacky for no reason then too uh, where the wife, oh it was the child started crying that was what it was, they were, I guess they were there for the marriage and started crying when the white woman came up and tried to grab up the little black child his self-respect radar was working well for this one, they come in and the white woman uh, comes up and did you, did you pinch that baby uh, and I felt like those type of incidents where a black person gets accused of something uh, in public, I feel like those specific acts of racism uh, because it just wouldn't be uh, if a white mom was out in public I think it would be the chances of that sort of thing happening are so rare that some stranger that you don't know, it's not like you all have a rapport and oh I'm just, you know, joke joke pub or whatever, good to see you and all that no report someone you haven't seen ever in your life to come up you with your, you're with your child who's crying and say oh you uh, you pinched her you pinched her didn't you like I just I don't know I could be totally wrong I don't have uh, children so I guess you know maybe that's a common thing you know people come up and do that I would think it would be something soothing or, oh what's the matter that type of thing where they do the baby talk and all that not some accusation that you're a bad mom you abused her, didn't you? All right, come on. Uh, let's see. Uh, oh, and I had the new Alliance one uh, as well. Um, I'm all for no hugging. They were, I don't even know why folks are. See, we talked about that on the slide too. The people not doing the uh, distancing in the workplace. Uh, we said that people who've uh, just poo-pooed all of that. I'm going to hug folks when I want to. I see my sister here, give her a big sweaty embrace and all the other, we talked about all that. So just make sure you're maintaining your own, uh, distance following the rules. And, uh, yes, you can be mindful of the new alliances in the workplace as well, uh, with click members or whatever else, uh, in your workplace, you can, you know, make your observations there too. But man, the flagrant, flagrant disregard for, the Rona and distancing has been on display a full year, a full year. 
Uh, let's see. Do we have other folks? Uh, much obliged caller in Florida. Do we have other folks uh, who had commentary to share? Last, let's see, we have like a little less than 20 minutes left in the broadcast. May I be heard? Yes, sir. Uh, yeah, just um, commenting on the, the school aspect for um, my son and my offspring. It, it's been very difficult because I'm working on trying to make sure that he doesn't stay online, going on these uh, strange websites and doing anything else that might be kind of constructive. But at the same time, it's so difficult because um, I literally have to sit next to him while I'm doing my work and he's doing his work. It's it's almost unavoidable um, at this stage. And getting him outside is, is, is the most... Getting him outside, cooking with him, and um, playing board games with him are the only things that are really keeping him engaged. Um, because I'm, I'm really trying to steer him away from going down that, uh, as they say, rabbit hole when it comes to the internet. Um, so I have to literally sit next to him almost all day so that I can keep tabs on what websites he's going to and why he's going there. And um, as Codified Software mentioned, it's just trying to make sure that they're not, you know, in any kind of depressed state and recognizing their behavior patterns and seeing if anything really shifts um, in the process. Um, good luck to everybody that's in the same boat. Um, just stay close to them and monitor them as much as you can. Um, but that's that out of my line. Much obliged, sir. Uh, Gus does not have children. That said, I've seen uh, a number uh, of reports that have talked about that because so many uh, children, young people in general, they're not in school. They're having to do all this virtual work. So they're just spending tons of time in front of a screen and people already had concerns uh, about, you know, maybe overexposure to all that screen time for young people and to now have, you know, an increased explosion uh, of screen time when it's not a whole lot that you can do about it other than monitor. I know some people have put limits on it, but it's hard when everything now is on screen. I mean, just try to do the best. I think getting outside is great. We had talked about the cooking before. I think that's great. Getting outside, uh, just, you know, trying to making the time to do the activities, but absolutely getting away for some exercise and just the mental health of it all to get away from that screen and actually talk to a real person who's actually in front of you or better yet let's go outside and get some fresh air and feel the sunshine get some vitamin d and hear the birds and maybe we'll eat well i was gonna say maybe see some other people but at a distance and maybe with a mask on but yes that is uh challenge I think a whole lot of parents are facing right now uh, and trying to look out for their uh, children's health, mental well-being, physical well-being like man, uncertain and challenging times all the way Uh, other folks, comments observations, suggestions
have about our last five or so. We'll check in once more, make sure everybody is satisfied or if they have anything else to share. Again, we should be here uh, for our compensatory call in tomorrow. Uh, we'll kind of catch up on what has gone down the past uh, seven days. I think we should have a report talking about the school situation and how it has uh, impacted uh, black children, especially uh, in having COVID disrupt uh, so much of the learning process over the last year, basically. Uh, but that'll be tomorrow, uh, 9 p.m. Eastern, 6 p.m. Pacific. Looking forward. Uh, and then, as I said, Global Sunday Talk, 3 p.m. Eastern, noon Pacific, Sunday. Dotsie Bosk, she'll be here uh, Monday, normal time, 8 p.m. Eastern, 5 p.m. Pacific. And then hopefully we'll have uh, Alan Dershowitz. Hopefully we'll have him coming up soon as well, continuing our study of the O.J. Simpson criminal trial. Uh, but man, for uh, the workplace racism component in particular, burnout, uh, we had talked about that before. I'd said I felt like we hadn't talked about it enough with all of the chaos because you'll have people who are stressed both ways, they'll be stressed saying, man, I just want to hold on to my job. I just, you know, with all the restrictions and the shutdowns and the layoffs and furloughs, I just want to keep my job. Like, and that is a thousand percent logical. So you'll have people there. And I would suspect you might even have people who I'm, you know, willing to go over and beyond, you know, just to show that I'm a quality employee worth keeping around, understand the logic in that completely. But I could easily see racists, using manipulating that energy and saying oh yeah I know we got a lot of folks there you know going to do everything they can to hold on to their job and that sort of thing so we can get over uh, and have people working insane shifts and doing all sorts of unreasonable thing making unreasonable requests if they know oh yeah this person is going to try to do anything they want to make sure that they stay in our good grace and hold on to this you know job that can also be pushing you into really working yourself into a lot of stress and doing a whole lot with that mindset. So just be mindful, do some checking in, checking in on your offsprings, well-being. How are they doing mentally? Making sure they're not depressed or having a lot of anxiety. The same thing for yourself, uh, for if you're stressed about keeping a job, stressed about losing a job, stressed about the uncertainty of all of this. All of that is totally natural and probably everyone else in the world is having those same feelings. Uh, but just really important in terms of how we manage uh, and making sure that we're not just drifting off into, as was stated, surfing a lot of craziness online for hours on end or binging uh, binging a lot of toxic content eating a lot of toxic content none of those are healthy ways to respond to a lot of stress getting some exercise eating healthy foods getting quality rest so your brain computer is working well to help solve those problems all of those things I think help us be in a better mental state better physical state, better able to solve problems. But be mindful of your mental well-being. It is very, 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 very stressful, very, very toxic, and probably more of both to come. Uh, any other observations, thoughts, folks want to share? I'll be 
Rob in California. Uh, so just a couple of quick observations. Um, so under this system, um, under the system of white supremacy, uh, I am a black male that has, um, how would I describe it, um, have not been in a position to benefit financially off of um, the work that I put in. Like when I'm going to work, like because of the system of child support and, um, yeah, basically because of the system of child support. So um, being under this system, um, I'm in a position where um, because I owe for child support, when I file taxes, I don't get a tax return. That goes to um, what I owe for years for child support. And so my observation is that <clears throat> when – so it's been two rounds of stimulus uh, checks that went out to the uh, general public. And so since I owe for child support, the first round of stimulus checks, uh, when it was $1,200, I didn't receive that. I received a letter and was told that that would be applied to my rears. Now, at this time, unemployment benefits were kicking in, and this is the same time that the extra $300 per week was being added to the unemployment benefit. So now with the second round of stimulus checks, the $600, um, Interestingly enough, I received the $600 payment, but also at the same time, I'm not receiving unemployment benefits. So I found that very interesting. And my second observation is um, I also uh, received um, EBT benefits. Um, I'm not sure what it's called in every state, but it's uh, basically like a fully sent um, it's on the card now, but the state awards me funds so that I can uh, feed myself. And so I was receiving, while it was stated that I was working, I was receiving $30 monthly. Okay, and then so when I wasn't working, that benefit amount went up maybe monthly. And so the observation is I received a ridiculous amount of EBT funds recently, like a ridiculous amount, an amount that would, (laughs) an amount that would feed a, um, a couple of times. And so with me being a single male, I find that amount of funds added to my EBT account very interesting. While the um, while I receive the stimulus benefits this time, and while there are no unemployment benefits available, and thank you for listening. Hmm. That is interesting. Um... Yeah, I guess uh, they probably have details to explain all that. So long as uh, 
they didn't make some error where they try to come back and make you uh, repay whatever whatever the total was sometime later. Like, oh, that was a staff error, and you know we want want our money back. You know that you're you're defrauding the the government of California, like something like that. As long as it's legitimate, um, yeah. Say so just make try to make constructive use. I guess that's the best all of us can try to do. Try to make constructive uh, use of the resources that are available to us um yeah if you can i guess if you could go to uh one of the uh bulk stores and you know try to uh bulk up that way you don't have to do it you could save time and energy you don't have to you can minimize going to the grocery store and save some money uh that way you can have your supplies stored up at your residence and i guess except for like fresh fresh fruits and vegetables you know but other than that you can have other whatever other food staples have it stored up and yeah not have to worry about shopping that's and you not have to worry about the rona everything is shut down in california so hey you can minimize your uh grocery shopping trips if you you know so choose but uh yeah it's all white people's discretion uh they are in charge about what benefits you'll get and how much they'll be worth and all the rest of it like they are in charge even whether or not we accept those benefits whether or not we cash your check we will make those decisions all of us very important that all of us remember that uh much obliged rob uh any other folks comments observations get in before we conclude I'll be heard. Caller in Florida. Uh, yes, sir. Uh, I was thinking of, of uh, two um, reports that also happened this week. Uh, the first is I think it involves some unjust networking occurring. Uh, the uh, older white woman and a white man, they were speaking about an ice machine. So she apparently doesn't like when the ice machine makes noise to uh, to create ice cubes to drop into the machine. So the white guy comes in, and he's about to get ice out of the machine. And she says, "Oh wait, try and get try and get ice from the front of the front of the machine because it'll make noise if you if you uh, scoop ice from the back." And he says, "Oh well." Uh, I always get ice from the front, you know? So she says, well, that's good. That's good or whatever. Uh, because, it, <laughs> cause, cause blank, meaning me, he might, he might, uh, he might complain or something. And, you know, she was smiling while saying that, like she was joking or whatever. So he says, oh, the last thing I want to do is get blank upset. Now, any of you women, I'm fine with that, but like last thing I want to do is get him upset. So uh, obviously they've been, you know, doing it. They've been in the chat and doing the emails again. So that's also how I think they've been getting the emails out. Um, and the second one is for the Martin Luther King uh, holiday. The it looks like the clerk sent out another tacky meme 
It says, I hope everyone has a wonderful Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. holiday weekend. And it reads, it has a picture of uh, Dr. King's face. And it reads, darkness cannot drive out darkness. Only light can do that. Hate cannot drive out hate. Only love can do that. <laughs> so I, I think I heard Mr. Fuller speak about that quote, drive out the darkness. So I read that uh, a little bit today uh, before I clocked out. So I just wanted to share those, and thanks for allowing me to speak. Hey, Gus, could I add something to what the gentleman just said? Yes, sir. Um, I think um, I really like what the gentleman said because um, – like it's what he said is like what Martin Luther King said. It's it's almost like you actually need light to to dictate what happens to dark. But um, I think what's a good way of looking at it is um, um, light can't exist without darkness. So that's just another. Um, codified way of looking at it because um, in the system of white supremacy, dark has always been um, labeled as something that's, 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 that's unpleasant. Um, you need to get away from it. But um, a lot of the biggest phenomenons in the universe are black holes and dark matter. So I guess I just wanted to add that you know, dark is one of the most powerful phenomenons on the planet, and it's it's the racist tend to use word the word dark in a negative connotation, and that's actually all what I wanted to say. Thank you. That generally is the case. Something black, people, things. Mm. Ominous, vile. Mm. Can't overcome this racism thing with darkness. Mm. That sounds uh, like some black identity extremist uh, subcontext or something. Like I don't know. Uh, I was hearing <laughs> the uh, the MLK holiday, which is Monday, will be on the air. So uh, for whatever that's worth. Um, the MLK holiday, I was thinking uh, of MLK in uh, the OJ. I don't know if it's in. It's got to be. It's got to be uh, in the OJ Simpson book. Freaking Mark Furman is report, or it's not even alleged because he got in trouble for it. He wrote KKK on the Martin Luther King holiday on the calendar so I guess whatever the Monday was in the year that he got in trouble he wrote KKK on the day and they were able to figure out that it was him and he got reprimanded for that good old Mark Furman wow I think it's got to be in the book it's got to we haven't got that we all of this is like way down the road we haven't got to where he takes the stand at so you have to pay if you are not listening to the book club OJ Simpson wow we should all be quasi expert. He has so many. I told you, I keep bringing it up for workplace racism. 
a black female police officer accused Mark Furman of planting a gun on her. <laughs> like he said, excuse me, she said that, uh, you know, the gun that's supposed to be secured if you're security officer, police officer, really anything. Uh, she said she came out. It was a shotgun just there. She's like, what in the world? And it scared her really bad. And she said, man, I think Mark tried to set me up like because you get in trouble you get fired for that sort of thing and she said that's what she thought he tried to do uh, to put this gun out unsecured so they could come and hey what are you doing here you trying to get you could get killed and all the rest of it. we're going to write you up and that sort of thing she thought that that's what he did so there are many many the many 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 accusations of Mark Furman who is Washington State's finest one of my neighbors I didn't even know uh, but that's in the book club more to come Good old Mark Furman. Uh, tomorrow, compensatory call in, 9 p.m. Eastern, 6 p.m. Pacific. Uh, much obliged to all the folks uh, who tuned in. Hope it was worthy of your Friday evening. Sobriety would be best. Uh, I don't know if white people, well, they do normally get right. You just heard about Mark Furman. So they do normally get a little bit rowdy for the King holiday. Maybe that'll be muted because of the Rona and lots of things that kind of shut down. We got restrictions in California and all that. So maybe they'll have to hold in their uh, rage about the holiday this time around, but at least be mindful of that sobriety would be best under conditions of white supremacy let's keep the brain computer working correctly trying to solve problems just being mindful of the problem we're trying to solve in addition to being sober hunker down Uh, lots of hazards armed white people armed victims unfortunately the rona uh, they got the inauguration coming. It's probably going to be all kinds of military uh, enforcement officials out in the D.C. area, DMV area, really. Um, lots of reasons to let's try to stay in if and where possible. If you got to go out, it's something constructive and essential. We are very aware of our surroundings like head on a swivel. I am not just bobbing along my earbuds in I uh, got my noise canceling headphones on and I'm totally totally oblivious to the world like those days are over like very aware of what's happening if it even looks like somebody is getting hostile hostile loud we are out of there like uh there's no confrontations no verbal altercations and getting loud with some stranger in public like we should be thinking this fella could have a firearm in fact this woman could have a bunch of other friends who also have firearms like no we are very risk avoidant uh, really for the foreseeable future especially for any of these like just going out in public uh, random skirmishes with a white person or even a non-white person like nah, these too many of these have ended up in mortal combat and unless you left your residence with the intention of killing and or being killed nah, not no way in the world should we be just coasting into those type of situations uh, so we if you are leaving you are sober buckled driver or passenger if you're driving you are not on the cell phone just doing 
the small things to avoid contact with the Mark Furmans of the known universe. Uh, with that, Creator, we ask that you help us remain patient with other black people, victims of white supremacy. We ask that you help us remain patient with ourselves. Remind us to demonstrate the highest levels of black self-respect at all times, in all places, each and every time we are in contact with another black person, no name calling, one of the easy ones, 10 stops according to Mr. Fuller, no name calling. Cal signing out. Thanks all for tuning in. Nigga, you so brainwashed. I'm a victim, no brother. Problem. You're a victim. Uh, I'm a up. victim of 400 years of conditioning. Shut up. The man has programmed my conditioning. Mm-hmm. Even my conditioning has been conditioned. Ah. Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on chumbacasino.com. I looked over at the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They're also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's ChumbaCasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. BGW. Void. we prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.